you find yourself with the same incurable curiosity as us, this is a place for you. This is Spiritual Smorgasbord with Cheyenne and Desiree. Death experiences, UFOs, contactee experiencer, Sasquatch, albino Sasquatch, mediumship, hypnotism. Is this the episode where we talk about like everything? Everything. Timelines. We have interdimensional travel. So many types of aliens. Sasquatch. Did we already say we already said we it. already said that we've already said it like three times. I'm still like, how did we fit Sasquatch in here? We did like we how did does it. all this stuff tie together in one person. Well, how about Sasquatch versus the Green Man? Right? Yeah. Dun dun dun. Dun dun dun. Crossing people over. Did you know that you can not only have someone attached to you, an Earthbound person attached to you, like just riding around like in your car with you, but also like as you like in intertwine intertwine with you so you think that these like decisions that you're making are just you yeah and the right person can hypnotize you and help you not have that any longer did you know this that right person being barry littleton yeah i didn't know before today I'll yeah, tell you that. No, he <laughs> taught us so much stuff in this episode. I yeah. highly recommend a notebook and, um, you know, maybe to listen to it twice because there is thick of information and resources yeah. Yeah. and things that you didn't even think could be tied together. Yeah. There's, so there's so many books that are going to be dropped. There's so many names that are going to be dropped. There's so much research that's going to come out of this that like isn't just talked about that. There's so much information that's going to come out of this episode that you must have a pen and paper. Like it's deep. It's deep. But mm-hmm. it's here for you. Mm-hmm. Your safe space. Absolutely. Let's get to it. Hello, Desiree. Hello, Cheyenne. How are you doing today? I'm amazing. How are you? I'm doing great. And I want to say, on the record, I love your shirt. I know I've seen it before, but it always Thank makes you. me happy when I see this. The pastel colors, mm. just the galactic in it all. Yeah. I like this one because it has like the keeper on it for Wichita. And mm-hmm. it's like, <laughs> We love us some Wichita. Yeah. Come check out the keeper of the planes for sure. Mm-hmm. So uh, a few months ago, I was with Chakra Sean, our friend Chantel from season two. And she got me in contact with a guy named Barry Littleton when I was at the show. And immediately she's like, you have to go talk to him. Like, you'll just know. And he's kind of like the Chantel male version because he does everything. He does everything. Yeah. Yeah, he really does. Mm-hmm. Um, so I go up and introduce myself immediately. I have like a small elevator pitch when I know that I want someone to come on the show. But then sometimes I just like puke all over. I'm like, I think you're amazing. I have a show. We have to get this out there. And it really surprises like, me that really you happy. introduce yourself to somebody immediately. Like that's shocking. Well, <laughs> I love me some people. I know you do. So and that's uh, why I love you. Yes. Yeah, so I met Barry and immediately I was like, come on podcast. I, I know you're great. I'm going to do all my research about you. So like we shared information and said that we were going to go ahead and get on together. Um, 
I like I deep dove through all of his stuff and I've been waiting for what feels like forever to finally have mm-hmm. this interview. So like when you were excited, when we were like, we're recording Akashic Records, I'm yeah. like, Barry Littleton. Right. Be- this because is it, who I want to talk to. This like, is who I want to bring on. Aliens. Yeah. Bigfoot. Mediumship. Paranormal investigator. A contactee experiencer. You said, did you say hypnotism? No, that too. Okay. Hypnotism. Sasquatch, which I know you said Bigfoot, but right, Sasquatch right, right. is Probably another the thing proper to say. term, right? Yes. Yes. If you don't want like weird emails. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Don't email me bad stuff. Yes. <laughs> um, but basically he is a man of knowledge. And I would also like to say he's a man of otherworldly, other dimensional knowledge. Right. Um, we talked for about two hours before we actually hit record. Right. And there are things that like my pen couldn't write down fast enough. And I was really hoping that we got to come back to the whole time. I was like, we should be recording this. We should. Yeah. We we (laughs) should, we should say this. We should totally add this into the storyline. Um, but I am literally just going to hand it over to you. I really hope that I just don't like zone out and I'm like, Oh, when you start talking, but Barry Littleton, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today in the studio. So honored that you're here with us. Yes. Uh, thank you both very much. I appreciate being here. I'm very honored, and uh, it's been a pleasure talking to you both before the show, and this will be fun, too. So you even you. gave us, like, some free readings. Like, I have a whole <laughs> post-it of stuff that I get to go look at afterwards. <laughs> and your voice is so soothing. Oh, Has anybody ever told you that before? Uh, yeah, when I was younger, I think. <laughs> <laughs> like, as soon as you start talking, I'm like, mm. Light some candles. Let's <laughs> do this. <laughs> but uh, tell me about yourself, man. Like, how did you how did you get here? Um, I was one of those people that was born uh, pretty aware. You know, I had uh, past life memories and things that didn't make sense. I was aware of other beings around me, things of that nature. Um, you know, these are things I think a lot of us as children are born very awake. And it kind of gets, as our perception gets molded after the first couple of gaga goo-goos, they touch us and everything and, you know, (laughs) start really molding our perception. And I think around the age of seven, for a lot of people, it shuts off. Mm -hmm. For me, it started getting even more intensified at seven to a point of where I had had, you know, someone visiting me that I thought was another kid, but wasn't, winds up being some type of extraterrestrial. And I think that says a lot about what they can do to our optical nerves and also our consciousness to make us perceive them as something they might not be. So I think that's, you know, very interesting. But other things would be um, around the age of seven, I got, I think this happens to a lot of youth too, I got attacked by a disincarnate person, a ghost in the house. Um, Sometimes we have people, I think, that are kind of horrible in their lives, mean and vicious or child abusers, whatever, and then they pass and they turn into something a little worse. And they see those of us that can see and perceive clairvoyantly, psychically, we're like a bright light to them and they can attack. I got attacked by a, a earthbound spirit and it made me want to shut off my mediumship because mm-hmm. I think that's what they do. They're discouraging you from using it, you mm-hmm. know. Um, then that went on further. Um, I started having, I call those childhood experiences. Then when I got into my late teens, I started having experiences again. They persisted until I was about, oh, around 12 and then they seem to kind of stop for the for the most part from about 12 to 17 and then they amped up again and when they amped up at that point I call those adult adulthood experiences and that involved four experiences three in which somebody else was with me and each of these missed uh, equaled about four and a half hours of missing time 
So overall, you're dealing with close to 20 hours of missing time. And after these experiences, I could still see these these entities, these beings, the technology, um, and you know something has happened. It's a physical experience. But the further away you get from the event horizon, it starts fading. And only so much is reta- retained. And I think that's what a lot of people experience. And with all the negative stuff we get in the media about negative contacts and abductions, that's the first thing you start thinking. Oh, no, did they wipe my mind? You know, that isn't what happened to me. It was a different in the vibration of the beings I was dealing with and the vibration for where they're from compared to ours. And they're like actually meeting us more halfway. That's so a lot of these things happen, I think, in the dreamscape. That's where we can meet these other beings, whether they be, especially if they're inorganic, within the dreamscape. You know, if if we're cognizant enough, that is another problem we have. So <laughs> these experiences that you were talking about that were more kind of your adult missing time, that's, those were what we would maybe call alien experiences. Yes, 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 okay. definitely. There was a definite extraterrestrial content with it. You know, mm-hmm. and as a kid, you don't always realize that you find yourself liking things like Star Trek or Buck Rogers and obsessing about it, Doctor Who. But you really don't know why, why you vibe with that so much. And for me, I wasn't thinking I was having contact experiences until I was in the sixth grade. Something happened to me. Um, I woke up one night. I don't sleep well, but I woke up on a craft. And it's not like I remember getting taken there. You just I woke up there and it was physically I was there. And I saw this engine that I know now know is actually the brain of this craft. I'd seen some people on there, all right? And it, um, this one, there's this these boards, and there's a being floating over it, okay? And this being looks insectoid. And we talked about this before the, the show. Uh, I want to say this insectoid was not... A mantis, it looked more like a grasshopper with milky colored eyes, okay? And on this craft he had on a uniform, this being had visited me before in my daily life, and others had seen him, but he didn't look like some type of a insectoid. Instead, he appeared to be a kid that had a large uh, baseball hat on, and what my mother used to have these things called kitty cat glasses <laughs> that kind of have the points on them. Yeah. These uh-huh. big kitty cats on. Okay. And now as an adult, I could tell you it's somebody that thought they looked cool. That probably isn't around people a lot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, the other thing is he was a telepath mm-hmm. and he was playing with me since he was playing with me, helping me make these dams to stop water from going down the curb. I thought it was as important to him as it was to me. I was trying to stop the world from being flooded, you know, right. things like that when you're playing around. But Absolutely. he would come and play with me. And I said, mm-hmm. you don't you don't go to my school over here. Do you go to the other school over there? And, he said, and he'd tell me telepathically, no, I'm here visiting family, you know, but I hadn't picked up on it until I see him on board this craft. And on this craft, there's like um, a screen, not a window, but a screen. And through the screen, I can see other like two other UFOs, large UFOs over some type of a snow covered mountain pass, which I'd never seen before, you know, and they look like they're sucking up clouds or mist into their underbelly bellies and emitting a light after that. And this insectoid, which gave me a name, it sounded like Yandar, like he sounded Yandar, but when I try to see it in my mind, I'm seeing a Z, a Z so I call him Xandar. And most of them never give me names. I don't think they have them, but this was one. Um, you know, I asked many questions, but one he says is the acid rain for your planet is very bad. And we're trying to uh, 
change it and fix it, but we're having problems with it. It's intense. And then he talked about something else that I call the M&M effect. Metals and microwaves in our atmosphere that are very dangerous for them that are on board those craft. So I think that's the reason why some of these beings don't come off unless they're thought forms, um, which is another danger. I think they have. we'll talk about that later. Anyway, um, this experience was very intense and very, very real, okay? And it's something that when you wake up the next day, you feel like you've not slept. You can't really tell anybody about it. And you start realizing not everybody's a telepath like you thought they were. They were. As you start getting older, you think everybody could do it. You know, um, about a week later, on a, because it was a Friday, my teacher at that time, good teacher, old Miss Crow, she would have us um, read the Scholastic News. And she would choose somebody to stand up there and read the main article. Always traumatizing at that age. Yeah, got, it is. Yes. And I got, I got, you count I got, the paragraphs <laughs> to know which one you have to read. Yes. Yeah. So true. <laughs> so I hope I don't stutter. You know, I can't read, you know. Yeah. Or you ABCs. don't forget how to pronounce and. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, I get up there, have to read this article. And this particular Scholastic News, I never forgot. I forget, it has a picture of the Statue of Liberty on it. And what the article was about is the Statue of Liberty that year was shut down, parts of it, so they could repaint it due to the oxidation caused by acid rain. And when I was reading that and I saw acid rain, I must have screamed it out because everybody started laughing, you know. But it, it, um, <laughs> it was when the experiences crossed over into my into real life world. for sure. They seemed mm-hmm. real. They were as physical as being at school. But... I couldn't prove anything, but that's when he, he telling me that I never even heard of acid rain Yeah, and I've been criticized for this, but when in the presence of a non-human, seriously, a physical one, uh, it's overwhelming. You're picking up things off their biofield. Their vibration is quicker. They're in your mind. And often like during this particular experience, he was answering my questions before I could ask them and right. formulate them in my mind. That's disconcerting, you know, along with the inability to breathe clearly on this craft and feeling like. I'm being pulled down G-force-wise, like kind of like a merry-go-round or something. Mm-hmm. I always wondered why I didn't like them as a kid. I know why now. It feels like being on one of those craft. So anyway, that's just where that crossed over and helped me realize, you know, things I could ask. I asked him, like, where are you from? You know, what do you want? These questions like that in case it's a, some sort of a trick. But you feel so much loving, love energy coming off. And so much almost what I think we could call Shakti Pat. Mm-hmm. The guru is called Shakti Pat when they actually, a guru touches one and causes a kundalini release and all the chakras turn. I think it's somewhat similar to that when being in the biofield of some of these beings that just a faster vibration than us. So full body, like bliss experience yeah. is what you're thinking of. Yeah. Okay. And, you know, even after the experience itself, you find yourself, I did a little bit blissed out, you mm-hmm. know, and elated quite a bit, then maybe... A day later, you crash, you know. <laughs> Super hard, yeah. <laughs> I know that just from a kundalini experience. Um, and I have I have touched somebody that I believe is from the 12th dimension. Um, and uh, my friend hugged him, told me what she saw. And um, it's not that I didn't believe her. It's just that I was like, wow, like I didn't know that was going to happen to us today, you know. And then... Um, 
she said, it's all over my body. I can still touch it here. Touch my hand. And when I touched her hand, it was exactly what you described as the guru touching and transferring the energy and Mm -hmm. releasing the kundalini. And um, I remember like just feeling it like you could see it come up my body Mm -hmm. and just the overwhelming amount of love that I could feel being transferred to my body. And it wasn't the first time that I'd felt this. It's just like the event horizon is the best way that you could describe it. When it happens to you, you're like, oh, thank God this happened again. Like, I know it's real. I know it's real. This is what I'm working for to like keep on this level of compassion. But then when it happens to you again, months after you've experienced it, you're like, there it is again. Like you, it's, it's the right addiction you, is what I think. You know, I think what's important to kind of emphasize here is that, um, my experience have not been negative. I was not abducted. There was no sexual connotation to them. It was about the technology and the beings and realizing, I think, remembering who we are and soul life yeah. memories. Mm-hmm. As immortal souls, we incarnate here devoid of soul life memories. What's that? I mean, that's like going through, you're a senior in high school, but you can't remember kindergarten to 11th grade. Right. That pretty much sucks. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know. I but, love but, your but, laugh. Uh, but but that, that also, the energy that you just described, that kundalini that life energy that prana that true orgone it um that's what they used on the ships i've been on board to power it and they've called it different things they've called it the living light they've called it agle and i got angelic golden liquid energy which is interesting because it's like i worked with gold energy and with the christ consciousness type energy a lot but this is even different it's more a little more dense and this AGLE, I'll tell you what it reminds me of. When I was a kid, they had this <laughs> they had this Miss Butterworth commercial, and she's uh-huh. I'm so slow and I pour yeah. over the and when they pour over the pancakes, this beautiful rich golden is going over it. It looks similar to that. It's a little mm. more dense than the light we're used to, but they're somehow polarized it into even a column that will go off this engine up through this craft. It's this column of light that's in the middle of the craft. I even saw my first experience um, seeing one of those. I could see people that looked like they were kind of um, phased out, like in dream body I know now, but they were going to the edge, touching this living light one at a time. And I found out later that, you know, these engines or brains, whatever they are, these craft can actually heal on not just the physical body, but the dream body too. Mm. So that's what's going on a lot with people having experiences. And something else I'll throw in, the people that I saw in dream body having these experiences weren't having the physical effects that I was that the beings had called temporal aphasia, which means this dizziness you're feeling, feeling like you're going to throw up a little bit, like being on maybe seasick or something like that. And also the oxygen on board, the crafts I was on board is there's like a mist in there, and to me, it smelled like people laugh when I say this, but it smelled like Windex. That's so yeah, yeah, funny. yeah, yeah. And I don't know if that's anesthetic or, or, or anesthesia or um, antiseptic or what it is, but that's going to happen. But all well, those at least together, you know something sanitized there. Yeah, <laughs> that's well, what you get from that. That and getting bombarded, telethought wise, not just telepathy, but telethought from these physical beings there. It's somewhat overwhelming, mm-hmm. you know. That, well, it has to be since all you know. I mean, well, since sixth grade, more that you were technically a human, right? But then understanding, like, the human capabilities only go so far. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then you are accessing 
what, I mean, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, all the way up to however many densities there are, mm-hmm. you're experiencing simultaneously what they do on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So like, this is super normal to them. Like, this is how we communicate. And to you, you're just like, I'm going to take this back to earth and mm-hmm. I'm going to tell people about what I've experienced. And some well, people aren't going to take it so well. <laughs> you know, it, in discovering really what happened to me, because I became somewhat obsessed. You know, like when something paranormal touches my life as it has so much, I become obsessed about it. And I try to find out and learn about it. Like I encounter Sasquatch energy at the SETI Ranch. want to find out more about it. It changes your life, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, in this way, I think that understanding that without the negative connotation and where our civilization could go when we think of things like star trek we really become a type one civilization you know i had some scientists that took interest in my experiences i communicated with one specifically would be dr rudy shields that was the astrophysicist at harvard for a long time we talked a lot one-on-one and he was most interested in the experiences that i had that conformed to what he calls makos which are magnetically eternally collapsing objects But in reality, you and I would know that as black holes, Mm. okay? And how black holes actually function. The data he recorded and got from this shows that these Makos are actually the hard drives of the universe. And when I say that, they operate, you wouldn't think that a black hole operates the same as brainwaves, but it's brainwave research and actually black holes that are very connected. And when I say that, our creator create, gives something called conscious waves that flows through this universe that we interact with. Conscious waves are two ways. They're shaped spherical and helical, okay? And then we've got these things in our bodies called microtubules, and I'll focus on brain microtubules at this point that actually makes up the neuron network of our brains, okay? And the mirror neuron network is when I'm telling you something, you can see it. And you live that. It's like a copy. And the black holes, when Ag- or Makos, excuse me, sorry to the ladies, when something goes through, okay, the Mako, um, it actually creates a copy that they call a quantum hologram on the surface of it. And that is actually stored around this Mako, around the black hole and around the accretion disk. So when the way, only way we can access these Makos, them being that far away, is consciously through mind wave, through brain waves. And, you know, I'd ask, like I asked Dr. Shields, I said, how fast do you all quantum physicists think that the, or, uh, the, the speed of thought is? He said, a hundred, we think due to some experiment he talked about with this double, anyway, a um, hundred thousand times the speed of light. So the only way we can access getting to one of these Makos is consciously. The only way we can access it is consciously. And I think you ladies that said the Akashic Records. And I'll tell you, like, beside Edgar Cayce is the first person I heard say it in 87. Mm-hmm. Like, what is that? What is that? Before I realized other, other cultures talked about it. But he was the first. The Records of Space and Time. Well, what is that really? It's these Makos we're talking about. The information around them, how we access it. That's really what it is. So I think that's heavy. And we dealing with some of these beings that I was dealing with, I had to realize that it wasn't conforming to normal ufology, normal new age. And that was aggravating to me. Not just did the other contactees I saw not look like myself, melanin dominant. None of the beings that were describing looked melanin dominant either. You know, my other parts of my experiences were not conforming to anything I told. These weren't beings from Arcturus. 
They weren't from, you know, Pleiades. These are beings telling me like this insectoid did. When I first thing I was trying to ask is where, you, what do you want? Make sure I'm not being assaulted or something. Next is where are you from? And I'm getting, you won't understand. But guess what? I was young, but I watched Doctor Who, so I thought I was heavy. Right. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So <laughs> Look, I know you're from a yeah, phone yeah, booth. Yeah. I've yeah. seen it. <laughs> you know, he, 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 he said, yeah. <laughs> Bill and Ted, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah he, says, uh, he says, you know, he's giving me, um, go 900 million light years out beyond the space-time continuum. Well, he was right. I didn't know what that meant. You know, and, and he said, and since I didn't, and, and since you don't understand, focus on the third and fourth planets past Pluto. Those are jumping off uh, bases or bases, the jumping off points into your solar system because we have problems with the density there. And, uh, and yeah, and, and meaning that, meaning that the microwaves I talked about, stuff like that. And we have to understand some of these beings coming from that far out are thought forms. And the closer they get to this solar system, the more they start gathering these physical bodies. And then they get in this atmosphere, it's really dangerous. That's why someone won't come off the ship. You know, I had, I had tried something when I was a kid called the gate of power. Carlos Castaneda talked about it's a method that you use in darkness to move and kind of grab the energy lines of earth and you can see and run at night. And really what it does is shut off your internal dialogue which is major when we're meditating. You know, I, I could never meditate right because my mind's going a thousand miles an hour. You know, I'd take deep pranayama breaths to even get a little bit settled. <laughs> but this was actually, I didn't understand at that time, but this was a method done by the great walkers, similar to that who walked across the Bering Strait and all that, um, those warriors from that, that first cycle. But this is to stop your internal dialogue. And when I'd stop running, you know, suddenly I'd see these blue flashes going by. And this is the middle of winter. They're not lightning bugs, which are connected to the phenomenon. We talk about it later, but these are almost like fairies on what they're so quick. They go out real quick. It never dawned on me. These were actually almost like corporeal or uh, non-corporeal officers from some of these craft. I see a flash in the sky up there. Then I never thought that that's what these were. And they're telling me on board one of these craft, we're like fish out of water in your dimension. So that's why they go out like that, you know, real quick. It, it makes a certain sense. Definitely. So, Anyway, I'll just okay. that there. All right. Sorry. Okay. Like, I too have far a question left, too. Probably. Yeah. No, no, no. You're I'm fine. like, you haven't even been looking at my face the whole time because I'm just like. Okay. So you brought up density. And um, one of my favorite shows on Gaia is called Galactic Messages, where they talk to people from these other densities. And in the beginning episode, they talk about how we are called the third dimension, but we are the only one in the solar system that is called a dimension. Everything else is a density. And it talked also about the entities, I'm just going to call them, who are only thought forming in matter. They literally look like sacred geometry, right? And then the closer they get to us, you're right. They're like a fish out of water coming in. So for you to like, again, we haven't had this conversation before, so I'm super glad that we're recording. But secondly, <laughs> like all of this stuff that I've already heard from two or three other people, like it's compatible, mm -hmm. like, and it's not all from the same people. 
So when you said that, I was like, yes, yes, they've already talked about this on Galactic. Yes, this is amazing. The densities, um, especially how a lot of people that um, go and use like psychedelics and stuff like that, mm-hmm. um, that they have a lot of the sacred geometry experiences. And I believe that's them getting like into that frequency because energy, frequency, vibration, like that's how you do it. So earlier when you were talking about Yes, he's showing me pictures that you guys can't see. Ha ha. We what, can, what, what we that can is, put them up what, though. What that is, I mean, catch up. what that is is that is the craft that I had the first adult experience on. One is this is an organic craft, okay? Mm-hmm. And you see the walls. The walls, when I touched them, were similar to a type of mushroom, not like a toadstool, but more solid than that. But I could tell it was alive, okay? Around the beings there, you'll see these what look like eggs, these glass eggs, and they were attached to the walls, okay? And there were some of these eggs in every single room. At first, I thought these were power sources. You see the lights inside that egg there in the lights? Yeah. That I thought those were power sources. But I found out later when I was dealing with this quote-unquote temporal aphasia about to pass out, and some of these lights came out of the eggs and surrounded me, hooked up to my energy field, I started taking away the sickness, I realized that they were beings. So that is not just a, a power source. What that is, is I'm dealing with beings from a different universe. And we talked about things like Star Trek, like the Galactic Federation. That's not what these beings call but call it, but or the Federation. But really, truly, what is it like to be on a multidimensional craft? It's not like the Enterprise. And what's okay? your purpose? And like, that, what's the point? Well, right? the point, first of all, I think, is to realize that how much of quantum entanglement in our creation is real. You know, and what this here right here and think about universes, beings from another universe, taking it really, you know, like, for example, here, our universe is built on the spin and the spear, everything in this universe. Look at it, even the galaxies, everything Mm -hmm. you go to another universe, it might be based on the cube or off the pyramid or even amorphous metals, things Mm -hmm. of that nature. So here we've got a, a circular egg. That is a portal to this universe from another on board that craft. Mm. Even more, this is a craft that can decide what pathway Mako is the one of most path of most uh, coherency, and it will choose it. See, I was underestimating the sentient level of the craft I was on board. And maybe the ancientness of it also. Mm-hmm. I also wondered, and I wondered later on, like, how come I'm just able to walk around? No one's really, quote unquote, es- escorting me. I'm about to pass out from this temporal aphasia, so I'm no threat to anybody. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, but the fact is, this is a ship that can scan and knows our soul life memories. They know what you're about. It's not just the beings. So when you talk about it was like a fungus type, like you knew that the ship was alive. Mm -hmm. So um, if you do any research on just going like past psychedelics, but how fungi is interconnected into the Mm -hmm. earth in general, like how we came in and tore up like networks upon networks of fungus that span from coast to coast, like Mm -hmm. just Mm -hmm. humans wrecking shit, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But when they actually did the study on it, um, from a dimensional perspective, fungi is the only thing that actu- can actually connect and travel and is supposed to travel interdimensionally. So if you think about something that has to go through 
portals, black holes, and all of this stuff, like, what would your ship actually be made of? And um, fungi is what I actually thought of randomly one day, but didn't really give much thought because I'm like, fungus plant doesn't really work out. But when you brought this up, one, I thought I saw a snake for a minute, and then I went into a little bit of sacred geometry with it. But when you brought up the fungi, I was like, what else could it be? You know? You know, they've given me a compound that they use, and the compound is a type of fungi, fungi or mycelium, okay? You've got DNA from the crew, okay? You've also got um, what our science now calls quasi-crystals, and you have some type of a metal compound, as they show me, that is mined from planets that are devoid of atmospheres and Van Allen belts. The metals from those planets have some type of a resistance to solar radiation we're unaware of. Mm. And they take all of these and make a compound and then grow this compound over a small mako, over a portal. So So, mycelium, like if you think of it in like a little Petri dish too. mm -hmm. So if you were to take sample after sample, so if you have like one that's growing and it's like Mm -hmm. kind of fuzzy and you take one out and put it in the Petri dish, wait like three months and then pull it, your samples actually get stronger. So the Mm -hmm. fact that they understand like you're dealing with something that actually has no end. Yeah. Oh, you're not going to run out of your your material for your ship, basically, is what yeah, I was saying. Yeah, you know, and, and when dealing with that, something I want to emphasize that you had talked about, and this is information I get in my contacts, you know, is that when people see some of these craft going not just into the ocean, but going into the ground, into these mountains, they're not just going to bases. Some of these organic craft, like what I'm showing you, are going down to the Earth's deep biosphere. The deep biosphere contains over 95% of our undiscovered bacteria and fungus. And when taking this into the concept of melanin and fungus that can survive certain things like, you know, we think we never get any help from extraterrestrial civilizations. There's a thing that's called um, radiotropic fungus that was found growing on the walls of Fukushima and also Chernobyl. And they had to get robots in there to take it off. Now, what's so interesting about this is this is a black fungus that uses its melanin to convert gamma radiation into the growth cycle. That's what the Hulk does, Luferigno. I just met him the other week down at the Comic-Con down there. Yeah, that's that's, that's, that's what Luferigno's supposed to do, you know? So that's that's pretty amazing. But in reality, I've talked to some scientists um, that were saying they thought that maybe that fungus was sitting here from a type 4, type 5 civilization to help us combat radiation cleanup. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we don't think about things like that, you know, and somehow mm-hmm. that just gets drowned out. We don't hear anything more about it. We clean it off the wall with robots. But, but yeah, when, <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. But when dealing with the deep biosphere and the tree structure of the earth and seeing the symbiotic connection that mushrooms and mycelium have to trees, that shows you the network they use to communicate with this planet. It's mm-hmm. not just on Avatar. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But I think they somebody there knew something. It's 100% accurate, <laughs> though. Mm-hmm. Like, if you need a depiction of how, like, everything under the surface actually looks, mm-hmm. Avatar is your best for how they connect. And even mm-hmm. the way that the humans are supposed to connect and not, like, the greedy fuckers. The, <laughs> you know, the, the good blue people. Yeah. That's yeah. how it really should yeah. be. That, so That there's the craft with Xandar. Sorry. That's no, you're fine. No, you're fine. Yeah. Am I able to take the like take pictures of this and put it up so people know what we're talking about when they listen to yeah, it? Yeah, or I can. Okay. I can send you something put up. Yeah, it'll work. Heck yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys definitely have to see these pictures. I should have for showed sure. this to you before we got started. <laughs> it's okay, I, I would it's get fine. too busy talking, running it's my mouth. Totally that fine. Sometimes it was so, going to save me from being like, "This is what I see in the picture," and they can just see it for themselves. You know. You know. But yeah. But the, the life. Oh, sorry. 
Oh, no, I was just going to say that there's the one image that you showed with like the windows, the egg windows and the little lights behind it. Mm-hmm. Um, I did a healing the other day, or I guess it wasn't a healing. It was a session that I did with um, someone. And um, there was, um, I guess, kind of like a gate. Mm-hmm. And behind the gate, um, it's something that I'd never seen before. In, uh-huh. and, and each session is different. But um, behind the gate, there were like hundreds, thousands of these little, yeah. So in the studio, we have this little white fur ball, right? A little feather ball. Mm-hmm. There were these little white balls um, that wanted to come in and heal this person that were very much like this person's guides, it felt like, right? Mm-hmm. But um, there was something standing in the way that wouldn't get out of the way. And as soon as I got this thing out of the way and put it to the side, all of these little balls came through and just came and healed this person. And and as soon as I saw this picture, it's exactly what it looked like to me. That's another level on that craft right there. And you see, it's interesting, most of the craft I've been on board, there are no windows on them because they're organic. Interesting. But, uh, and that one you were talking about, she illustrated that in there without knowing, but that one there was like, I don't I don't know what that was, like the middle level. It's like kind of a hallway and these, or yeah, 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 and these things, these little egg-looking things, they're more eggs, but those ones, I'm a curious guy. So I mm-hmm. wander over there and try to look just at what's inside. Look kind of like garage doors almost. Mm-hmm. And when I look and all of a sudden, zoom, I'm like in that room. Mm-hmm. And that makes you more sick. <laughs> yeah. Remote viewing when you're already... On a craft, right? You know, it's fascinating because you had just much. said something I picked up energy on. I don't know if I gave you the picture or not, mm-hmm. but it's um, a different craft, but it's these um, these things that look like staglomites, okay? And this came, it looks similar to a cave, and at the end of these staglomites are these balls, like hexagons on them, but they look almost like, you know, honeycombs, and they're moving. Oh, uh-huh. And I see something, I've got a picture, I couldn't find it, but it, it stripes around it, mm-hmm. almost like a transporter or something, and it emerges is this light being in humanoid form, at least the, the, the light being of a humanoid. And mm-hmm. and uh, I think that was strictly for a meta, method of communication with us, mm-hmm. you know, but that's that, there again, that, oh, there it is, right there, I kept seeing that when you were talking. And that's that's actually the, the eggs there, and, it, oh. and you know, the, another engine I've seen, had these similar, similar um, hexagon shapes inside of a ball that now we call uh, a ball, not just a ball bearing, um, oh, Lord, fullerene, I'm sorry, fullerene. And, you know, it took me into the what's called the honeycomb conjecture and why do bees use the hexagon to store energy? Mm-hmm. And that's a way that we're dealing with shapes that are storing life energy, creator energy mm-hmm. from one universe to the other. I understand that now when I didn't before, you know, so because I kept thinking, well, it's just no, it's just different dimensions. And when I was talking to Dr. Shields, he said, you're dealing with beings from a different universe. I was like, no, 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 no. It's a different dimension. He said, no, that doesn't hold up <laughs> scientifically what you're saying. And mathematically, it doesn't. He said, those are other beings. I've been on board a craft that actually had, um, I've got an illustration I tell, I'll try to pick them all out, but this craft had actually, in this room was these portals opening and closing. They look like micro, like black holes or vortexes. They're opening and closing like within a millisecond. I have a light being that jumps in front of me, kind of on the floor. It starts unfolding. It looks like a pink ball at first. Then it starts unfolding and it turns into start looking like a sunflower, yellow. It goes into one of these portals and comes out another one immediately. And that's when they're telling me, you're, we're like fish out of water in your dimension. It's very dangerous. We can get trapped there. 
couldn't understand that then, but I do now. I definitely you know? do from understanding like dimension and density and just how fluidy they are or right. even like thought, like how you said, um, they mainly go through like telepathy. So imagine being a being like that and then coming down to this thickness that we are mm -hmm. and even trying to use your energy just to speak English alone. Right. I mean, there's plenty of other languages, but I believe that English is the thickest language mm -hmm. ever. <laughs> like well, how much know. air it takes you to use just to talk is just like... Oh my goodness. Well, and turning thought form into a sentence and a paragraph, yeah. right? Because you can, if you can speak, if you can communicate your full thought with just a thought, if you can communicate everything you need to say with just a blink of an eye and a thought, and now you have to transition that into a whole sentence and communicate that and then turn it into a language they're going to understand i still think i'm playing telephone with my higher selves i was like right. is, that, is that what i'm supposed to say they're like no no yeah. just change the change the image on the projector she's not getting this right. one exactly i'm like send me a song you know you know i had the craft that you were looking at with the eggs in it the mm -hmm. outside of it when i first saw it looked like this so mm -hmm. those that can't see it it looks like almost type quote unquote a type of pleiadian saucer or it's mm -hmm. got this thing called a directional minter this light on the top of it all right mm -hmm. and the light on the top every time it turns towards me it's like tuning me in like a radio station mm. all right and um something that after this experience was technically over i was back in my car all right and i'm get out with my ex and we get out and start looking at this thing because it moves around to the back of us and then it starts changing it starts looking like there's a static around it and then it begins morphing okay the first thing, there's like, um, this looks like a kind of a light, a star around it. A that static, looks like a star. an atom. And then, yeah, then it goes into something that looks crystalline. And mm, the only way I can describe that quantum. is, the only way I can describe that is anybody that's seen the first movie, Superman movie with Christopher Reeve. When they sent him to Earth as a baby, he comes in this ship mm -hmm. that looks like a type of almost a meteor with the stagalomites on it until mm -hmm. it breaks up into... Earth's atmosphere, this thing turned into something looking like that. If you flip the next one, and it looks to me almost like a molecule. And yeah. the only thing I've seen to be able to describe that is in this book by J.J. Hertog called The Keys of Enoch. Uh, there's something called a tripyramidal Merkabah. On my YouTube channel, I've done videos about this and show the pictures too. Anybody wants to see them. But that's the first time I'd seen that ship actually represented. He even shows it how it morphs from a type of a saucer into that. Mm -hmm. So that's the first time. I mean, but seeing something like that, witnessing it, ladies, it threw me for a loop. I mean, it was, I it was, it was hard to take. You know, it's it's one thing to sit up and talk to scientific stuff. But when you see it, you know, it's. Uh, <laughs> I would imagine you probably have a moment where you're talking to yourself going, am I actually seeing this or or did I just take some drugs and forget that I did that? <laughs> right. Or am I just, you know, did I just blank out and have a, a dream, a dream, right? Like you're, you're you having know, like, a conversation well, with yourself. Like, is that's this why real? I'm like the, <laughs> the part where like your human processing mm -hmm. stops mm -hmm. and then you have this higher knowledge coming in. Mm -hmm. So obviously you're going to have like, he doesn't have the normal story where you have all of this programming and this, these core values that needed to break over and over and over before he like finally had an acceptance. He's yeah. been open since he was a kid. He's had the experiences since he's a kid. So he's like, 
He's just there. He gets it. He doesn't have these things come up on him and be like, oh, no, I was, you know, did I was your raised family this way. support you? And, like, did you share it with them? And were they open to it? Well, well, I'll tell you what, what aided me in that is that during that experience, at least the witnessing of it, I was not alone. Somebody else was with me. And so they could and then, share like, 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 you know, and I tried to tell them that, uh, I tried to tell her, I, you know, we're trying to meditate by this lake. And um, I opened up, I'm feeling, I have what they call inward revolution. Like I fell inward into the universe. Mm-hmm. Very, I know now with some type of a Kundalini release and how much this is a conscious experience. I opened up my eyes and materializes over this pond is this ship the one you just saw and Mm -hmm. it's pulsing it's got this thing on it's tuning me in and it's just blowing me up and you you go through a thing where wow this is real and i remember looking over at her she's sitting in the passenger side of my car in uh uh, god what is it um indian style uh Mm -hmm. meditation i can't remember the posture is it lotus yeah lotus yes what i find extremely on Un- uncomfortable. It's not anyway, good for your knees <laughs> Even either. as a kid, we had to sit down. I was like, oh, no, no, not another <laughs> auditorium. You know, but <laughs> um, anyway, so she's over there. And I tried to tell her, hey, do you see this thing out here? And she kind of waved her head at me, hand at me. She said, hey, whatever, that's your thing. It's your thing. Leave me be. Okay. So I tried, <laughs> I tried to close my eyes and tune back in, you know, mm-hmm. and I did to a degree. And I get a break in the frequency again. I open up my eyes, and she's literally glued to the dashboard and the window, that little crevice there, looking at this thing. And I was like, hey, chill out. Don't start freaking out. You're going to mess it all up. They've been there for a long time, I tried to tell you. Yeah. And she starts looking at me, looking at it, and she starts kind of like hyperventilating a little bit. You know, then it takes off around the back of us. It darts off, and suddenly we're standing outside of my car, and my car's turned around. And this thing's shining a light on us, and I keep thinking, okay, I just zoned out out here. We're out in the country. It must be the sheriff and the helicopter. I've just been freaking out, you know. But right. but then it yeah, starts doing really this. Yeah, you really do try to moves. rationalize it first. Yeah, yeah, it moves and starts morphing. Another one shows up that looks like a golden ball that she must have been tuned into because she stopped communicating and she's just with that thing. Why well, I watch this thing morph and then look over towards the town we're in, live in. It's about maybe five miles outside of it we are. And we can see a couple of these other craft Look like they're shining light down on probably your people's houses. And, you know, she just started crying. Like, what's wrong? She said, well, they're doing this all the time. We don't even know they're there. How long before they get tired? I don't know. You know, but to see these ships emitting a light, and it seemed like the earth was kind of responding too, but it's very weak. You couldn't perceive that light as much. So that tells me how much, it, you know, these beings that I've dealt with are really about the earth. And it makes you really realize that humanity Whatever we are, genetic experiments, whatever, homiladies or homiladies, whatever we are, <laughs> we're custodians of this planet, and it could be taken away, and there are many others ready to come in and take over. Mm-hmm. Very real. Well, I love that you say that, um, just because I think you're absolutely correct as far as the custodians of Earth. Um, but another thing on galactic messages that I learned is, um, you know, one of the people that were questioning this higher density being was like, why do you care? You know, like, it's kind of like if you're as a medium, like if somebody comes in, you need to audit them to make sure that they're not from like the dark side portraying to be light, which does happen often. Um, so she was like, why do you care? Like, you know, you're, you're higher intelligent, um, like, if I were you, I would think that we were ignorant, right? 
and a little a little off our course and she was explaining the interconnectedness of all of us from the creator so even though I am from a higher density and you and your brain don't understand how any part of us work she goes at the end of the day I am you you are me and we all come from the same place and we all we all do want to go back home we all do understand that what is happening on earth has never happened before in any part of the universe and anywhere in the galactic whatever you want to call it so all eyes are on earth is 100% factual in any of Dolores Cannon's work I'm sure anybody that you have come across it's the same thing like if you're on earth right now you're kind of big shit wherever you're soul origin comes from because you're like dude do you know freaking berries on earth right now like <laughs> elevating the higher consciousness through sasquatch and alien and interdimensional connections i would say i hope that's the case and it's not a island of lost souls where people are trapped in a reincarnation cycle devoid robbed of soul life memories and unaware of it so i hope this isn't a prison plan and it is that place that's kind of like a a great place to come to i really do <laughs> like believing that we're all here for our own like evolution that yeah. is a really good other way to <laughs> like when you think of like okay like the story of kuan yin right like when she reached enlightenment she was able to go attain her nirvana and like go whatever her happy place was and she vowed that um she would be the last one through the portal because she wanted to save each one of her brothers and sisters from their reincarnation cycles. So her and St. Germain actually operate out of the violet flame, which is the highest. It'd be your crown chakra if you need like a vision of it. Um, and her, I mean, her among a lot of those enlightened beings that come to help us. She's the one who is like, nobody will be left behind. I will be the one to close the door and we are done with this. So... Yes, I understand where you're coming from when you say that. But then when I also think of like soul origin and like, hey, um, where do you want to go and, you know, evolve your soul? And everyone's like, ooh, let's go to Earth because you can get you can knock all this shit out in 65 linear years and then come back up here. And maybe I want to go play with the mantises for a little bit. Now, you know, I find that interesting. I, I get great joy out of this because, OK, what you just said, this is me, but my older brother. He's very aggravated when people say that. He Wait, says this point, aggravated which, which when they say what? Said. The said, whole he, thing he'll say, would no, aggravate he'll say, him? He'll say, he'll, say, he'll say this. He'll say, that's crap. He said, this place is very close to hell. It's very hellish here. And he looked at me, he looked at you, he said, he said, man, I didn't agree to come here on any quantum level, any soul <laughs> level, nothing. And he looks at me, he said, it's like I was injected here. <laughs> oh my gosh. And you know, we need people, we need people with that thought process too. If we all have that thought process, process though, I think the consciousness would literally dupe down to what he believes is hell. Cause where you focus there, your energy goes, but he's not wrong when you think of how dense everything on earth mm -hmm. is. And that's why, that's where I think like the new earth and the 5d come into play with the, with the plane of Aquarius and everybody jumping off and leaping. It's like, okay, Earth, get your shit together because you guys have done some crazy, crazy stuff where you're so far down. Even these people that are closest to the creator's love, unconditional love, like they can't even get to you because at this point you need to vibe higher. No. So I had this fun little thought the other day and I was like, oh, maybe that's what it is. So I was literally like putting food in my dog bowl and like holding him and like, like if I was Is this monkey, monkey. Oh my gosh! Don't even get me started. She, He's the most precious dog in the whole <laughs> weird. I have four dogs. Dog. Okay. If okay. So 
if you're like going on vacation for a little while from like doing the work and like being an insectoid or whatever, like you come to Earth and you're a dog, right? Because like you get you get you need a break. Like you, you get just to need sleep someone all to pamper day. you and take care of you. You get food, you get table scraps, you get to sleep in a bed. You don't do anything but like get pampered. Like you come here, you be a dog for a little while. For seven years, you get a break. That's vacation, right? Now, if like you maybe weren't the best person, but you weren't the worst person, you need to do some work. Like you come here, you be a human. You be a human for a little while, you get through some stuff. But if like you were if you were kind of an ass Okay, and you need to, and like the torture, the hell, you know what you come here as? A tree. You don't get any choice in it. You get you get summers, you get winters, you have to shed, and you might come here for like 500 years. Well, it could be you super humbling down. too when you think of the network of knowledge and information you have in your root system. And you don't get to do anything about it. You just stand there. You get to go, Wee. And you stand there, and nobody gives you like any respect, right? Unless you meet Cheyenne walking through the forest, and I'm like, hello. Okay, so, you know, so Cheyenne might give you uh, some respect. But, I've had some, but, some trees communicate with me. You know what? I, I thought, But that, they come by and pee on you, too. Yeah, I thought I the way you perceive is terrible. I don't pee on trees. You know, they, you know what they communicate to me? <laughs> What's that? It's all right. We're stationary life forms. You don't exactly. understand. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's what I stationary life forms. They, they, it makes sense. They just yeah. perceive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, something real quick. I don't want to cut anybody off, but... Um, <laughs> It was just a little silly side, oh, oh, no, side no, branch. Very, very relevant, you know. <laughs> I think something that I have done is I've asked questions, you know, and I wanted to know, like, they, one of the things these beings, when I asked, they never have told me anything about the future. Uh-huh. And it makes me think that they don't know any more than we do. There's too yeah. many timelines, whatever, you know. But um, I was about to say timelines. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I knew there is definitely a temporal war. That picture of the um, Nordics that I showed you, I believe they're time travelers, and there's a reason for that. Um, I call them the Integral Commission, the Temporal Commission. Um, anyway, anyway, um, they had showed me, they said, they never will tell me anything about the future, but they've showed me the past. And they said, this will never happen again. Mm-hmm. And they showed me the earth looking like a burned out ash going around our sun. So something's happened here. And I think the earth has been basically nearly totally destroyed before and regenerated and we're unaware of it here. Mm-hmm. So something's happened. They're saying that's not going to happen again. So... That's what I'm telling you. You know, it worries me when people do all the talk of right now the Mandela effect, which is really a time shift, which tend to occur during times of high solar activity. And there's always been one timeline that somebody's trying to push us to this nuclear war. And here it is again. We're on that timeline again. It's very dangerous, you know. So I'm hoping that could be averted at some point. You know, I talk about time shifts on uh I was on Jessica Jones as the paranormal investigator, the field investigator, a couple of days ago. I just saw she's a, rem- a remote viewer when I was checking out that and uh, got to talk to no, her. No, she's really cool. <laughs> she spoke with me in um, Helen, Georgia about a year ago. And, you know, it's a little intimidating because they do a lot of field work as remote viewers. But they have so much, like, data about, like, cubes, that team- teammates walking into a cube that isn't appearing on thermo and disappearing. And stuff of that nature and suffering effects afterwards. Mm-hmm. Now, I just talked about different shapes from different universes and dimension. I believe the cube is one of them. I've seen cubes on many different ships. I've I know heard it that contains life cubes energy. on Mars or something like that, too. I wouldn't doubt it. Yeah, I wouldn't yeah. doubt it. You know, this, mm-hmm. the cube is also capable of containing consciousness, they've mathematically said. So definitely it can contain life energy, prana energy as well. So, yeah. Yeah, but anyway, that's just... Uh, I um, you know, I I would I would hope that something better comes. 
you know, like some of these beings I've dealt with, like this one. And of all the ones I've spoke about, I probably got one of the most responses on this being. This being is one that gave me a name, Mana, M-A-A-N-A. And I'd say that being was a little over seven feet tall. I was going to say, it, it looks a lot to, like a gray, but really tall. Yeah. Well, no, actually, it's um, got, it appeared to have a brain on the outside. Very uh, okay. not gray-like. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, but just the, brain, the tiny eyes yeah. and the big head. It, well, I'll I tell you what the brain, what, what the head looked like. Uh-huh. Brain coral. You ever seen brain coral okay. in the mm-hmm. sea? Yeah, the, and, you know, yeah and, the brain looked very different. Yeah. And, and for me, I wonder when I was younger, some of these beings would step forward. Then they step back, and I'm dealing with more non-corporeals and thought, thoughts now, mm-hmm. you know, and telepath, telepathy. And I wake up one morning just tripped out on bleached coral. I didn't know what that was, you know, and it's the bleaching effect and how much of the Great Barrier Reef is dying. Hmm. And then that took me, I did a video on this, it took me into something I found out about super coral, that they're trying to reseed the coral reef with this super coral that is... Um, um, Modified um, um, immune to the bleaching of the, of the coral. If the coral of the sea dies, we're in big trouble here. Big trouble. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that leads me to believe there, okay, is this a being that's dealing with the earth matrix that put this in my mind? Because is this a type of conscious coral that took the galactic in the past or in the future? Since this being's dealing with the bending the space-time continuum, all bets are off. Mm-hmm. But I've always been interested on in why some of these, so many of these beings are specifically beyond quantum entanglement involved with the Earth matrix, mm-hmm. and they don't seem to be as much about us, except for they don't want us to mess it up, mm-hmm. you know. And there's a soul life and things, but these and these beings—they told me the name they gave me when I was 36. After all these years, I was out doing a walk that. Um, I'll say this real quick. In 2010, I suffered a major car accident that I gained. I took four catastrophic traumatic brain injuries, a hematoma to the frontal lobe, hematoma to the brain stem, hematoma to the quarter lobe, and then what's called diffusal axonal, which is like a shaken baby syndrome, spotting of the brain. So I said I would die. I had a near-death experience. Didn't stay dead. <laughs> How do you survive that much brain injury? Well, a lot of pain. <laughs> yeah, did you, and I'd say it's definitely not general hospital where you to, just wake to up. Pull this, yeah, to pull this apart a little more, like sure. what did you see when you were going through all of this? Did you talk to any relatives? Did you cross through any portals? Like, I, I had a point where do? I was talking to, first I saw these angelics. And when I say that... Um, I mentioned the Uranta book earlier. In the Uranta book, they have a classification of angels that are called super nanofem. I believe these were super nanofem. They were not corporeal. They were like these strings, these stra- thousands of strands of light. Okay, in a somewhat humanoid form, so I think I could just recognize that, but they were not humanoid, all right? And they were pure light. And I felt the only way I can describe these beings is regal. And there was so much love energy, creator energy coming off them I think just a little bit more would literally burn my body up. I don't think mm. we can take it. Yeah. You know, you don't think of that type of frequency of love hurting, but it, it can, mm-hmm. you know. So in that way, and I had to take that once I remembered who I was, straighten everything, compare that with the non-corporeal star beings I've encountered that have some type of angelic feeling. to Not the same, not quite as regal, but they feel like they're going for the same thing, which they are. The same type of God conscious achievement or attainment. You know, so that's that's one thing there. But had it not been for that accident, I would never really have started speaking forward about any of this. You know, I was one of those people on YouTube doing all this research, all these experiences, but I was never going to really tell anybody about it. Seeing how many people have invaded this community that aren't what they appear to be, mm-hmm. deceiving people, 
people with false motives, false words, fake motives. And you know I've that it happens it. with hypnotists and mediums and mm-hmm. psychics and anything, mm-hmm. anything of the light is going to have to be infiltrated by the dark. Like, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. it's the, it's the villain superhero thing that you kind of think of in your head, like new levels, new devils. Um, but hall, I, hall of justice. Yes. But I do love or... that you, you quit living your life on the fence. Where like you have this knowing you you know that this is what you need to talk about this is what you need to bring people into, um, so I guess just like going on a blind date with you would be like super fun, right? <laughs> drag, drag. <laughs> well, my, well, my history is probably a real drag. <laughs> that is too funny. You know that gave me a great interest that accident in Mary Rodwell, who I got to meet at the expo too. I sat right between her and Linda Howe. It was really cool. I just want to meet Linda Howe since I was a kid. So, um, but uh, Mary had done research over people that have had lifetime encounters and then they have these horrible, tragic accidents and a near-death experience and how sometimes the beings will bend the space-time continuum and pull them out and then put them right back like a second later in an accident. But these people have a type of healing that's not normal. They don't have the injuries they should. I went through like four windows, including my T-tops. I went through my T-tops. Mm-hmm. And a car kind of was black. It was, it was a Trans Am. It looked like Knight Rider. Don't tell me that, man. <laughs> David Hasselhoff had a button he pushed and the, uh, the roof go up and he go fly it out. I right. didn't have a button. I went through the T-tops. Have a yeah, yeah, yeah. Better days, definitely. <laughs> but um, a lot of doctors had asked me, said, it's kind of amazing that you didn't lose your teeth. Or a lot of things that didn't happen to you in the way I recovered. They said it'd be a lifetime vegetable, and I'm not. So there's certain things that happened with what Mary was saying. I was like, gosh, am I one of these people? You know, I remember the angelics, but how much were the star beings involved in what happened too? I don't know, but it's. Mm-hmm. I really do think, thought. again, just like in a grounding scientific sense, when you said like they could bend time, pull you up just for a second, a second of linear time and then translate that into like what actually time means to them. And then like you said, Mandela, I think of butterfly effect, right? So like taking that out for a second of linear time, maybe instead of like hitting your teeth, it actually like hits your cheekbone instead. Like as you were saying that, I was like, there have been many out of body or near death experiences where people have said the same thing or like their injuries aren't as bad as they should have been. Um, there's one where this person was talking to their guides and they said, um, Hey, you're about to get into a car accident. It's actually, it's a pretty bad car accident, but if you don't get in this car accident that we are actually making for you, then the one down the road two years later was actually going to kill you. Mm-hmm. So they figured out a way and they're, omnipresent view so to speak um how to hey he for soul evolution he's technically supposed to go through this accident but that doesn't match up with what we're doing over here so we're actually going to have him get in the accident two years earlier learn this lesson faster and then we're going to quantum leap this situation right here and they do it which is why i know you said that they um, say they're not called the Galactic Federation. That's like not a, the ones I deal with. Yeah. Not, they don't exist. Though, not honestly. that they don't yeah. exist, but I'm always interested in different, you know, perspectives and translations the name of I have it. Is even more corny than that. So oh, even better. Name. Yeah, <laughs> even better. Um, you can't just leave that hanging. <laughs> but you have you have to wonder like the file cabinet on us, right? When they're like, okay, who are we looking at today? Oh God. They're getting ready to go through that. Anything we could do, Bob? They're like, nope, got to go through it. <laughs> like, oh, okay. You know, what I was told by another clairvoyant is that uh, they tried to kill me 
and it was to shut me up before I could start talking. Mm. And it had the reverse. Higher forces. The, the reverse, yeah, the reverse af- effect. It actually triggered me and got me to talking. Mm-hmm. So it backfired on him. <laughs> don't know whether that's true or not, but sometimes it feels that way because mm-hmm. I promise you I was okay before the brain injuries. I was doing good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, like, I, like, I, like, I, like, I like some shows, and one of them I've watched since a kid was General Hospital. I always had to stop watching because they have one more brain injury character on there. It's not like that, a little bandage over their head. They wake yeah. up, some clouds go away. They, what happened? Yeah. I promise you it's not like that. <laughs> yeah. You wake up and you're like, how long have I been here? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And okay, I don't know if you actually said this before, but um, if you did, I'm just going to say it again. Your uncle died two days before your car accident, right? Yeah, we buried him two days you before. You buried yeah. him two days before. Yeah. So then you got in your car accident and you started like you were talking to him. Well, I saw him and my grandmother and her best friend, Miss Viola. And I was standing with them in... um place on 13th in Kansas where, where they had a, a complex where um, they all lived. And my uncle is dressed, first of all, he had been in Vietnam. He's a very strong brother. He used to work on the railroad, kind of muscular. But he had on these, until, until he got sick, of course, but he, he had on these bib overalls. And I don't mean to offend anybody, but these ridiculous Birkenstocks, they were like really Birkin with a stock. And, then he, and, he, <laughs> and, then he, <laughs> and he's got these, this, Straw, this um, hat on. It looks like strawberry. Um, what's the name? Huckleberry Finn. Huckleberry yeah, a straw Finn, hat. Yeah. Almost like one thing you grow a, a plant in and turn it upside down, and make it into a hat. Mm-hmm. It was yeah. that corny, you know. And he's talking. He's saying things like he said, uh, "You get hurt again, you'll be here with us." I was asking, "What's wrong with you? Why are you dressed like that? Why are you talking?" Grandma's to not me? saying anything. She's blinking like an owl. But of course, she'd been <laughs> deceased for you know thirty years by then. That's where he had just crossed. Mm-hmm. So I don't believe he was as far over the abyss to the next side as she was. So that was and like was, the meeting place. Yeah, like like, he's like we, about to be over with her, and she's coming up. She can't move past the tree. Like if that's the blocker, right? Like he's sitting in the tree mm-hmm. on this side, and she's over here, and she's like. Yeah, I th- I think maybe it's like almost like a connecting point or something, you know, mm-hmm, where mm-hmm. we can meet, you know, and he wasn't as far there. I wasn't totally there so I could communicate more with him. You know, that's the situation there, but it wasn't like a vision. It's like I'm talking to you here now. Yeah. It was like I had this great vision, you know, until I came awake. I woke up like when he said something, it scared me. It woke me up. I can't remember what that was, but it jumped me out of the bed. I wake up in a fall wrist bed. I'd already been conscious for probably a week or so, but I hadn't remembered who I was. That's when I have what they call a clearing out, where everything comes back to you. Mathematics, spelling, all that stuff. So I was really blessed to have that. Yeah, know? especially when you pointed to your face and your brain where all of your injuries happen. Because, yeah. like, here, like, for instance, I had a neighbor that had a stroke, and it messed his whole frontal lobe up mm-hmm, to where mm-hmm. he's just super freaking creepy now. Mm-hmm. You know, I think what saved me. And he me, wasn't a he wasn't a creepy man until after the stroke. He came back to a hundred percent mobility and talking uh, and everything, but something scrambled up there uh, where you, you know I think we're not for friends. me, I'm a good exact example of elasticity of the brain, I think. And, you know, like for me, when I took the diffuse axonal, my brain actually turned in the case and they said that from the impact and it oh, excuse me, and it turns at the same time and it will um it, the swelling will kill you. I found out later that 90% of people that suffer DFA fall into a coma either induced or naturally, and 90% never wake up. Mm. So that really, you know, all that stuff really hits home, you mm-hmm. know, and the fact that I'm 
very blessed, not have memory problems. I had some emotional problems at first, depression. Oh, I was freaked. You know what I mean? Why wouldn't you be? I mean, that's pretty natural. (laughs) But as far as the manual dexterity things, I was very blessed. Memory and still the same person. But I'll tell you, just went so far on that, I'm sorry. To what you were saying, the diffusal axonal, I think, actually saved my life in terms of the spotting of the brain stopped him from drilling into my brain or doing surgery. And I'm convinced if they would have done that, I would not be the same person. Mm. You know, before my mom passed, I'm walking with my older brother. He's a great deal taller than me, about six, six and a half. Uh, we're walking to see my mother, and we're going through this corridor, and these nurses start following us. And they followed a couple of corridors, and they finally said, excuse us, excuse us. We turned around, they said, one of you, we work in the ICU, and one of you here was for a long time. And, it, and I turned around and said, it was I. And every time I talked, they looked at me going like this. I was like, damn, ladies, is something wrong? You know, they said, well, it's just, we worked on you. You had extensive head injuries, bad ones. And well, you've got your cognitive abilities, don't you? I was like, yeah, except for a little stress, hint, hint, you know. <laughs> but, you know, but I, I was still in denial of actually how severe I was injured when I got there. Yeah. And coming in like almost code blue or black, whatever it is. Like code dead. blue. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. again, when you're telling me like, oh, I think so in modern science, like this is what actually happens to most people. And if humans would have got their hands on you and been like, this is a problem. This is how we know to fix it due to our intellectual ability. Again, like when you think about them going into the time pulling that for a second or moving you in some way that to us would seem a death sentence but to them they're like let's move them here off a second and it's going to hit this way and yeah you're going to have these effects you're not going to walk away just like bruise bruising right but whoever was helping you in those moments which who says what's good or bad right so to us and even written down on my notes it says 2010 a catastrophic car accident um but to me like as we're going back and recapping this like you can see these beings helping you to the point where they're going to use their higher knowledge to infiltrate this situation Okay, sorry, they're they're blowing me up, so I'm gonna say this. All right, <laughs> sorry. Okay, yeah. <laughs> okay, so when I was there, I was in a coma for almost three weeks. Um, that a lot of people came to see me, all my ex employees, friends, and it caused, I guess, a bit of commotion. But one lady that I've been dealing with since I was a teenager, she's a local clairvoyant medium named White Dove, and I saw her name in my book. And after this near death experience, and remembered who I was and everything, and processing it, you know, I called her. I said, uh, you know, I had NDE, and she's come to my house, so I go over there, and she tells me, she says, I came to see you one day, and there were so many people there, caused a commotion, but they let me back to pray for you, and she said, when I walked into your room, there were all these angels there, and it was a big gold one that she later said was Enoch, interestingly enough, mm. um, said he was standing at the doorway, and I, rem- I can remember seeing four of these beings in my mind's eye, even before I remembered who I was, okay? Mm-hmm. I could still feel them, even if they weren't present anymore. Mm-hmm. And she says, the, the, the Enoch, he, sa- he said that you uh, were hurt, that you were bad, you were hurt bad, but you refused to cross over, and that you were going to make a full recovery. And she said, I never doubt the angels, but thou, you were in bad shape. And she says this, she said, then... Inside the room, there was one that was massaging your brain. I don't know what he was doing, but he was massaging your brain. Another one working on your lower neck, another one working on your buttocks down there, the top, the tailbone, and two watching them also. And I can only remember four, but she described this. And she said it was so serious that um, 
the, I tried to come back, but there's too many people there. So I just pulled in the parking lot and prayed for you in the garage. And the gold one started coming out to the garage. Then he started coming to my house. And he said, she's looking at me kind of funny. I was like, what? Said, he said he was worried about you. When you woke up, you were going to, your speech was going to be affected. It was going to be fleeting, but he was very concerned about how you were going to take it. And she's looking at me, she said, it seems like you talk fine to me. Did you have problems with your speech? I said, when I first woke up, yeah. I sounded kind of like William Shatner, you know, <laughs> when I got tired more, you know, but I didn't say in speech surgery, I released very quick, you know, but um, point being, she kept talking about this angel that was massaging my brain. Now I told you I had diffusal axonal. They had told my parents and family at one point, I would probably die from the swelling because my brain had been separated and turned in the case. Mm -hmm. Okay. And it would be a miracle for it to turn back. One morning they call my parents and say a miracle happened. His brain turned overnight in the case back. Mm -hmm. So I can tell you that angel was turning my brain. Mm -hmm. That's what it had to been doing. There's no other way around it. Yes. You know what I mean? So those who don't believe in the woo-woo, there's a lot of woo-woo right here. And I get sometimes irritated. People do healing this and that. Don't tell me about healing, okay? Mm -hmm. I know about yeah. healing. Yeah. You know about healing. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's powerful No offense to anyone, but just you know how it is. Sometimes we got to go through it. We to got really those <laughs> you got those naysayers that are just like, oh, that's impossible. Or if it's not the way that they perceive what a miracle should be based on their mm -hmm. religious findings or indoctrinations. Yeah. They're like, yeah. that's impossible because this is all my core beliefs. No, and I'm not allowed to go past it. Yeah. I, uh, have been broken for years as far as core beliefs like <laughs> that to where like I hear something and I'm like, are you of the light? If you're of the light, we're okay. Mm -hmm. If you're of the dark, go away, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and again, like I'm just reading the teleprompter in my mind a lot of when people come on and tell their stories and then my tree branching is me interjecting what my teleprompter says. And I didn't see the exact scene of the golden angel and all of them around you. Um, it was the bending of time during the accident that I saw. And then when you interjected with saying, if this would have happened and the doctors would have operated on me, then this would have been the timeline. But since these like two or three little like, quantum like 0 0.001 seconds happened those were what sent this not angelic healing but this otherworldly hearing that healing that we don't hear enough about in these situations you, you know there's something else too you know i i lived most of my life with quote-unquote the golden rule. You know, I was walking home one after ABC after school special, G.I. Joe, they're talking about that as a kid. So I try to live up to the golden rule, do unto others you want to be done. But as you both know, mostly that means you get crapped on here. And you think most people don't really notice it, but then I got hurt like that. And people that I knew were associates, I called friends, but I think they were friends like that. They all showed up, and so many of them, I think, legitimately really took a couple seconds, a minute out of their day to really pray for me. You know, so often people say, oh, I'll pray for you, but they don't really do it. Mm -hmm. I or think they, they think they, just by saying, yeah, I'll pray for you. Yeah, yeah, oh, it's just cliche. did it's it. It's a cliche. Well, yeah. it's, I, social yeah. media has yeah. done it really bad. If you post a tragedy, you have 157 comments of sending prayers, doing this, yeah. doing that. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. that's the only, that's mm -hmm. what I don't like about it. Well, you know, there's a whole demon that likes in, that locks into the social media, but that's another thing. Uh, another episode, <laughs> Barry will come back, the promise. Likes, the like yeah. demon. I'm sure there's one that gets on the likes, you know. Yes. Anyway. <laughs> you see, you messed up my mind. Where I'm was sorry, I? I didn't want to. No, I'm delicate. Where was <laughs> People sorry. do this to me, sorry, so I sorry. feel bad. Which part was I at? I'm sorry, I got thrown off with that. 
what part were we at? So uh, it was before I interjected with Facebook and social media. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, so, so many people came and prayed for me. Right. Yes. That I'm convinced that between the creator and these angelics with this intense regal love energy channeled that into my healing. I'm sure of it. You know what I mean? So yeah. I think that really like um, when we do something on a collective conscious level and all this is consciousness, you know, when I found out and Ray Hernandez from contact modalities that does that organization, they found through the data, how closely connected near death experience and lifetime encounters are. Mm-hmm. They're not the separate things that we think they are. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 So, you know, I think that is the biggest illusion is the separation in all of us. And I know that we've talked about the um, coming from the same ocean, the same wave. How can you make fun of something that's the exact same for you? Um, But we read it in an Albert Einstein quote that the biggest the biggest illusion that we all suffer from is the not only the separation from the creator, but the separation that like we aren't the same. We aren't connected. Mm hmm. You know, the thing that I come back the most, people ask, what did you learn from the near-death experience? The thing that stuck with me the most, and I thought I was pretty spiritual and the golden rule guy and all that, but I'll tell you, I come back knowing this for sure. Even I greatly underestimated the impact our relationships have on each other. It's like Ghost at the end of that. He said, I've loved you, always loved you. Hey, that's what goes with us over here. Yeah, that's 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 about right. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. So did you feel like you came back with an overwhelming understanding like of whoever God is to you, like God's love more, like the unconditional, the never ending, the always understanding, the compassion? Yeah, I came back definitely. I, I was fairly compassionate before, but even more so. Even now. more? You're just like, oh, and I get it. Yeah, yeah. And also, you know, just um, the appreciation for life and it was always there, but it intensifies also, you know, and something else before the accident, I could always hide my, not just clairvoyant, but especially my mediumship abilities. I could hide that from people. Even when I first came forward talking about this stuff, I hid that until just recently. I don't want anybody to know, you know, but in reality, that is, um, it got so strong after the accident that I couldn't hide it for anymore. I started getting detected by people mm-hmm. and I wasn't going to do any more like, Oh no, I was just going to ignore it now. Shoot. I'm not, I don't need to hit my head again yeah, to figure you, out not to do yeah, that. You so. can't deny your gifts. <laughs> well, and you were telling us about your mediumship and I thought that was really important to talk about because Thanks. it's such, um, I don't know. It, it, can you tell us a little bit? Would you mind yeah. talking about that a little bit? Yeah, sure. What, the part of like earthbound spirits or? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just, you know, because you can detect the earthbound spirits on people during your hypnosis, right? Yeah. 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 Or just it, in an everyday conversation well, where well, you're well, like, hey, yeah, well, I just read you. Yeah. Well, well, there, well, there are two different types. One mm-hmm. is the ones that are pretty much on the, they may be attached to a person, but they're on the outside of the energy field. Mm-hmm. And those are the ones that I can kind of detect, uh, engage them telepathically, get some survival evidence, because normally they're wanting to tell the person something. And you can help them cross from there even. And they're not, um, you know, that's that's just different, but I can detect those. There's these others that are entwined so finely and integrated and entwined in the person's biofield, energy field, that they express themselves as negative behavior patterns. Inside the person. Yeah, inside the person. I can't detect those. None of us really can from the outside. They're too in there. Mm -hmm. But then when I get somebody to like deep theta, 
almost delta, I have a way of actually discovering how many attached earthbounds are there and how they can, they'll tell you who they are. They'll tell you how they pass most of the time. And I will say, this is not the level of demonic. This is like grandma, grandpa didn't cross over for a variety of reasons that are much more simple than we think. Mm -hmm. Sometimes just addictions, love of land, love of loved ones that can't let go and they can't let go or simply, um, fear. Yeah. Fear of hell. Going to hell is a big one. Mm -hmm. I've had several of them telling me, I said, well, why don't you go into the light? Well, one, I thought I was being cheated or number two is I was scared. I thought it was hell because I've done things that are not good on earth or dark arts or hurt people. And I thought I would be judged there and burn. So, yeah, so that's, that's, that type of thing goes through quite a bit. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's that last thoughts in the, our thought process, brain waves again, is very important, very mm -hmm. connected to our death process, because no matter what anyone says, I promise you something about the personality survives no mm -hmm. way around it, mm -hmm. you know? So, yeah, but, but, um, those ones are, and what, what I'll shut up, but what I found mostly, especially the ones that are in the energy field, inside the energy field, they cross over fairly easy. It's not the demonic level. And when that name lost souls, I think that comes into play a lot, you know? Yeah. Well, and one thing you were telling us about, um, the addiction ones. And I thought that was so interesting when, um, you find someone that's inside that is stuck because they have the addiction. I thought that was really important to talk about too. Yeah. And you know what happens and they start expressing themselves to the client or the victim through these negative patterns. And if it's the one that like this guy was a drunk, I was mentioning before we were on here and he had pushed the client to becoming a drunk themselves. Mm-hmm. And then they had a genetic disposition to it. And this individual starts telling me when they put, they can really put them away though. And their, their main thing saying, staying here was not just addiction, but they wanted to have another drink when they passed. That was their last thought. Oh, that last drink at last call. So they hung out at that bar attached to the client and then, you know, start saying this to me saying, you know, but they can really put them away. And then when they go, they black out, they drink so much, they black out. I feel the most alive. And that's just horrible, yeah. terrifying so, to a degree. And what through, happens when you get somebody like that joins with you as, as a baby when you're in an incubator room? Uh, that you grow up with that addiction. That's not even fair. Well, mm -hmm. it's, it's something that I've never really pondered on before. Like, I know when we were talking about this before we hit record, we were talking about, like, lowering your inhibitions, like what alcohol does to you and drugs. Like, it'll take you to a different vibration where... I've been told you can get attachments. But what you're saying is this energetic, like this energy um, activated um, something in their DNA to actually come out. Like if they're that wasn't to That wasn't, okay, because they said it's genetic. So it's stored, alcoholism is stored in this woman's DNA, correct? Mm -hmm. So then she wasn't acting on this. This was a dormant part of her gene. And then this energy came in and activated accelerated. and accelerated her DNA. And that is something that I've never heard of before till this moment. And what I've, I've heard of food activating it, but not... You know, an more, entity. more to the point, I found that every deceased person attached to a very specific part of the body. And I find that fascinating because that puts us compromised to demonic forces also. Because what the demonic forces do, especially ones like us that are shielded and know how to shield ourselves, what they do, it's like, sorry, I'm a Star Trek geek, but it's like you do have the, the Enterprise <laughs> there and it's surrounded by Romulan warbirds, war, war, war <laughs> excuse me, like five or six of them. 
and what they do are firing on it. We're shielded people, so what these demonic forces do will actually stress our shields by starting a, a, several things, financial problems, argue, arguments with our mate. If it's a haunted house, I see all the time plumbing problems. You're in a haunted house, you got plumbing problems, and if you try to get that taken care of, they move out to the garage in the car and start making with the, messing with the fluids of the car. So financial stress, work stress, home stress, all these things to kind of stress your shields just to make these little cracks. Once you get a crack, they come in and they go right for the heart chakra every mm. time. Hit, attack you through the heart, to the people you know. Mm. It's really, it's horrible, but it is what it is. Well, I mean, how, do, how are you going to take down the good agenda? You know, it's like cut off the supply chain, right? And mm -hmm, the supply mm -hmm. chain is going to be what Jesus talked <laughs> about, which is that little light inside of you, which... And to me is your heart chakra, but it is you activating yourself, your true north, your true purpose, and then going out and sharing that gift. So cool. it, it all like, I love like in the woo woo community and then the spirit, <laughs> the way you have to hear it, it's correct. I love how in the quantum and the science, it all interconnects and even as grounded as you can possibly make it. Just like be kind to everybody. How, yeah. well, <laughs> you, you know, know, forgive. Yeah, with these earthbound spirits, you know, and I, I use for years in my personal, um, uh, professional life, I've always used cognitive behavioral therapy model. That's what I work by, help many clients with it, you know, but I found when, when you said with theta spirits, and delta earlier, sorry to interrupt, when you right. said theta, delta, I was like, we will be working together in the future. So <laughs> right on, I will, right on, I yeah. will be one of your clients. <laughs> you know, if you I, understand brainwaves, you can mess with mine. <laughs> I almost, I almost had to go down to delta just to get some of my missing time back they, they were that deep you know and then i also want to go through and make sure since we live in their capital that i wasn't being you know messed with the svp or whatever but none of my <laughs> stuff, i wasn't getting screen memories but Very it wasn't, true. wasn't that either thank goodness Theta is by far my favorite and i studied a lot more again coming across uh dolores cannon stuff but mm -hmm. it's something that i it's like wanting to dive into the akashic records like mm -hmm. i would want a guide and the proper educated facilitator to go in my theta brainwave state because we're about to pull some shit out. You like Barbara Lamb? I don't know who that is. Really? Yeah. Check her out. She's okay. a lot like Dolores Cannon in some way. And I met her at the Conscious Life Expo. She did some work that helped me a lot. She deals with contactees, a lot of hypnosis. Um, I what, love the hypnosis yeah, stuff yeah. the best. What, one thing about QHAT, and I won't make anybody upset, but one thing I have with it is the people I've seen doing it, it's very suggestive. And for me, someone has to gain lost memories it can't be so suggestive. Now that it doesn't work for people. I'm not putting it no, down. No, you're totally I'm fine. If somebody like me searching from these answers from something that actually happened to you, it doesn't always have to be induced. You know, I remember I was at, at a SETI and at Lady um, Allison Coe, I think, was doing a, a group hypnosis with everybody. And I was sitting in there and during the time she was doing it, this rooster outside, it's the middle of the day, it just starts going crazy. I mean, rooster, just constantly. And the next day on the panel, I sat up there, I go, let me ask you a question. How many people, because she's saying, you're on a ship now, what are you seeing? And this rooster's going off. So how many of y'all were on that ship and saw the captain was foghorn leghorn? <laughs> it's a joke. They didn't laugh at it. They was laughing. It's a joke. <laughs> I just can't imagine being a part of that seminar and just being like taking it so serious. You're like, I'm seeing this. And I'm like, so who is the captain? You're like, what is going on here? I mean, I, it, it, there's all sorts of different hypnosis that works for everybody, mm -hmm. but I, mine is a little different than I like. But yeah, it's just a little fun joke there. Sorry. So I probably get no, mad. No, 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 you're fine. 
You didn't get me mad. I literally just pictured being in the audience and being like, what? So going back to the mediumship and like the hypnotism and stuff like that. So we also talked about um, clairsentience and clairvoyance. Um, They come in through the mind's eye for you. And what's your strongest one that you go off of is your mind's eye. And then like the feeling of the energy, like how Mm -hmm. they feel. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think super important to pull apart for like a beginner that thinks it's their imagination and now they're coming around to the fact that it actually might be the receiving of information. You know, that's that that's the hard part is that when we start dealing with beings from other dimensions, other universes, whatever, unmanifested beings, our imagination plays a great part in it. And it's always hard to decipher what could be imagination versus reality. But you know what's fascinating? When you talk to a child or anyone an adult, you say, when you're a child, did you have imaginary friends? They may look at you real funny. Yeah, I did. Hmm. Do you remember their names? They look at you. Well, yes. And they realize then, were these imaginary? These are beings we can see yep. until we get tuned, until we get molded enough. Yeah, yep. yeah. I think yeah. the same thing. I was telling her that I actually, um, so I did QHHT with a local practitioner here, and she said, you know, I got up to level two, and I blended what I did in my, like, therapy sessions before I retired and QHHT. So if you want, like, the six-hour, like, let's go meditate session, she's like, I don't do that. She's like, because I want you I want you in a certain brainwave where I'm not going to suggest you because you're right there have been people that have stated that some practitioners do like to do suggestive stuff which isn't that more on like an NLP line than actually okay I won't go there but um it's like when a portal opens for a dead person I mean no 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 no, you're right you're right it's like during it when I cross someone over sometimes the portals were open the angels or my team will open it and bring a loved one through or they'll come as almost a cherubim where there's um, another angel with them. So something happens. We go into the light. We can definitely change and almost like Jimmy Stewart, get our wings or something. Anyway, <laughs> but you come, they come back in that form, you know, helping and using those portals like that. But during the session, I can never sit there and say, Hey, is there a portal over there? Do you see anything there to the client? I mean, yeah. they're gonna, you know, I can't say I gotta see something unsuggested, like is something happening, you know, and then they'll yeah. tell you, are they seeing what I'm seeing? You know, yeah. So little stuff like that. A question. Um, overall, how did you feel about the QHHT? So I am honestly still unpacking it slowly and surely because um I wanted to go to like three different practitioners and then just kind of figure out what I was supposed to get from the experience. So I really, really enjoyed it. But since it was my first time like being hypnotized, Mm -hmm. I could compare it to like the first time you smoked pot and you didn't get high and everybody else around you was like, hi. And you're like, what is being high (laughs) feel like? Like, what is it? What am I actually supposed to feel like? So I understand the experience more. And Um, so I only did it once and then I like unpacked it as well as I could at the time. And I just felt like it was one of those experiences where I had literally just came into Dolores Cannon the same week. So I think if I would have understood, um, the gist of all of her stuff and then I went into it, then I could have, um, had a language built with it more since I went in, like, I'm just going to go do it now. You know, I found a lady in town who does it. Um, I still see her this day and, um, 
like I I think I told you a couple weeks ago but this was over a year ago that I had the experience and it was one of those things that just broke me where I thought that like I was already open-minded <laughs> and I and like I was okay with like going going to that level and that experience and researching that stuff so I recommend it but I don't think that it's a jumping off point I think um Past life regression is something that I would like to get into. Um, I did, again, like just jump right in. Not a good idea, but I read about past life regression in a meditation book, and I decided to go to YouTube and do a past life regression meditation in my bedroom by myself with no prior help um walk walk down the staircase. (laughs) Well, this this is my please don't do it by yourself story, so... For me, at least. Um, I walk down the staircase, I open the door, and I um, awaken in a teepee that's on fire. And I'm putting myself out on fire. And I walk out, and there's a bunch of people in some really old, I'm not going to say what time period, uniforms killing my whole tribe. And my whole that's tribe is killing That's the lifetime I've been picking up on you since we've been sitting here. Right? Fascinating. Yeah. So okay. that, gotcha. that was my first, um, holy shit, this is all real. And I was... 20 years old in my bedroom in Quincy, Illinois. I was living on like 15th and Oak Street for anybody that's in Quincy and wants to drive my <laughs> by my old house and be like, ooh, that's the room <laughs> where she was burning in a teepee. Um, yeah, so that happened to me. And then I started doing more research about like, oh, you're supposed to like have a hypnotist or a facilitator, someone who like really understands it more than you. Um, but that's my like do your research before you dive in. And for me, basically, so you can have a language built with it. There are so many things that happened in my QHHT that really, really helped me with a lot of the things that I was going in like through my life now, but I didn't have a language built with everything that I saw. So that's why I feel like, um, it's taking me longer to dive through what happened to me in that room more than it would have been if I would have just, you know, studied more. You know, that's it, the it, best way I could say it. It was a positive experience. I don't want anybody to hear it and think it wasn't a positive experience. I do plan on doing it again, but I take my evolution journey and documenting it very seriously. My hopes is if I do have to come and reincarnate again, that the next life is going to look for Cheyenne and Cheyenne's going to be like, here's all your notes, boo. Sorry, mm. you're a girl again. <laughs> Hear me roar. <laughs> you know, two things concerning that. One is that I started studying hypnosis in later high school, you know, just trying to learn it and things. And then I had the adult experiences. I really got into it strictly for workshops and seminars, a few things like that, you know, and strictly in an attempt to self-hypnotize myself to retrieve lost memories from lost time. And you know, for a long time, I went through this thing against hypnosis because I'm I'm not like Travis Walton. I'm Mr. Conscious Experiencer because it were physical experiences. But like I said, the further you get from event horizon, the more fading out it gets. Mm-hmm. And then the truth is, for what I could remember, for the amount of time I was missing, it was just a fragment. And it was, you know, and I had to come to terms with that. So I tried to self-hypnotize myself. It wouldn't work. So I had to go have someone else do it, you know, and I get discouraged. I find it discouraging when I hear so many of these quote unquote professionals, people saying, Oh, don't ever get hypnotized. That doesn't count. Who the heck are they to tell you how to manage your own consciousness? Oh, you hear it quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. They'll say that anyone who has got any of their information about extraterrestrial contact through hypnosis, it doesn't count. 
And that's inaccurate. See, I, I remember um, when they tried to discredit Dolores Cannon for the longest time because she was accessing through a theta brainwave state. And from the scientific community, they had just exiled anything that they had researched, even in Delta, but also in theta brainwave, because mm-hmm. people were coming up with stories of extraterrestrials and all of that. Mm-hmm. And they were more diving into like past life reincarnation. Like, that's not what they were mm-hmm. looking for. And they just up. said, yeah, they mm-hmm. just like, nope, that's crazy, blah, 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 which... Um, I love that you brought that up because I'm the same way. Like I used to be a supremely like codependent person, especially coming into this world. And all I ever wanted was love, like true, true love. Um, I got to experience everything that was not true love to, you know, catapult me into the trueness of it. Um, but every modality that I've come across before I've ever like shared it with somebody or been like, Hey, this is what I found. It was all with the intention to help and heal myself and really heal that codependency that I've projected on so many people throughout my lives. So when I came into QHHT, it was another level to me. Cause I had like, I'd done chakra work, Reiki meditation, journaling, like all the, I would say like basic self care, but when it came to QHHT, I felt like it was another level up for me because like I had always wanted to do past life regressions and hypnosis. I had honestly never heard anybody say stuff like that. But anybody that tries to gatekeep my mm-hmm. evolution and mm-hmm. what I'm trying to find out in this world, um, you if you've met me, you already know I'm going to cast you out of my side, <laughs> out of my way, no matter how much I love you. Like my husband could have been like, you're not doing it. And I would be like, move please. (laughs) Or I will move you like nothing gets in my way when it comes to me trying to ultimately like heal myself. And then you get to that point, you find the modality, you learn the modality and you're like, shit, now I need help. This, thank God I actually need help. Cause if I came here and could only figure out how to heal myself, it's not like all I do is sit inside all day and heal myself. But Um, it just always reminds me of the experience and the human connectedness that I need from other people and that my ego can easily take over and be like, well, you can do it yourself. You're fine. But I learn so much going to practitioners, whether I'm just doing a session with Desiree with a bio well technology that she does. If I came to you and you hypnotized me and we decided to go back to that TP that I'm terrified to go check out again, (laughs) you know, all of those like. Those are the experiences that I live for the most as far as my journey and why this platform exists is to be able to share it and share people like you. So I really resonate with that part of the story. You know, something I want to touch on with that, and that is the fact of trauma. And it's something people talk about a lot now, but the truth is trauma walks around this planet like a member of the population. And And when dealing, dealing with extreme trauma, this is scientifically proven it stores within our organs, mm-hmm. certain emotions, certain angers and sadness. It all stores in our organs. And that's when it starts becoming to be accessible, but not just deceased people, earthbound spirits, but dead people as well. And this goes that this heavy that I say, please find a way to exercise your trauma. Get it out of your cellular structure. And I say this for this reason, okay? I had a client that um, technically, okay, had, when I start dealing with this earthbound spirit, it reveals itself. It starts telling me things. Well, he looks just like he did last time. Just like he did last time. Tall with dark hair, yada, yada, and all this. And the spirit is talking about someone who has lived, they were involved with, passed, and reincarnated, and looks the same. Why this earthbound spirit is still trapped here, 
lusting after this individual. And when it's joined with the client, it's causing the client to lust after this gentleman that she didn't even find attractive, you know what I mean, and ruined their life. So that's that, 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 that's like real serious. And so that what I'm saying is that we could have something like an addiction of that type and a trauma and store that trauma so much that it stays with us when our body's not there and it keeps us here. I mean, I, I dealt with one recently that was the one, the last ones I crossed over this one told me about the bolaria and the other one was describing being some type of a Cro-Magnon Neanderthal and roaming around here upset about how the earth broke up. And nothing's the same. The jungles are gone, and everything's all messed up. They're they're easy to cross over, actually. Once they saw the light again, you know what I mean. But you start when you, you hear that coming out of a person, you think, well, my dear Lord, this is the Earth bound that's been walking maybe millions of years. This planet, but the time of the frame of time over there isn't like here. It's something mm-hmm. different. It's but, not linear. But it's, still, it's still horrible. It's still you know a long I mean? time to be. Um, I always think of it like out in the astral. Like if you think about third dimension, four or five D. So people can't live in five D because that is like sacred geometry. And that's like thought there is no physical there. But then the 4D is where you're going to have angels, demons, passed over people, beginning of passed over people. And like, uh, it's like the blurring between the conscious and the subconscious in a way is kind of what I think between like what 40 is for us. Um, (laughs) Right. So like you think about people that um, they see stuff, but they don't know they can see stuff. Like their foot is kind of in 40, Mm -hmm. but then like now that they think they can see stuff, they're like, Oh, I'm attached to 5d. And I'm like, no, no 5d is going to be like all love and that's all great. But this, this murky little area, the astral realm, the ethereal realm that we have out here, um, I'm always interested what's in there, but it is terrifying for me because I know there are a lot of darkness in the four part. You know, it's simple auto suggestion because that does so much damage. You know, like for example, I could always see, I was seeing definitely psychically clairvoyantly, but I didn't think I was because I see an energy field around people, even more than that, a cocoon around people. And see other things, but because it didn't like the cool pictures with the red, blue, yellow, and just like the cool colors, yep. I didn't think I was seeing right uh-huh. when that's not correct. You know, we don't all see like that. You yep. know? And in fact, most don't. You know, some do, but I mean, most of us don't see in that much color. But mm-hmm. that is, you know, just it causes this type of despondent disconnect. You're you know, the same right. reason, same reason like people will, no, nobody's seen Sasquatch or UFOs have any pictures. Well, when something happens like, like you, you go stunned, you don't have time to take pictures. There's reasons why nobody has evidence like that. And I'll tell you, when you start being, if you're a real contactee experiencer, it's so freaking weird that you don't have to make stuff up. Who needs to do that? You don't have to. It's so weird and understandable anyway. Why bother? You know? <laughs> there are, but there are a lot of people that they go through the same experiences. Like if you really like, if that's your rabbit hole to go down, then like go down that and you'll find like all these contactees that, here, like somebody would hear your interview and they're like, I had that happen to me. I'm going to reach out to Barry. He's going to understand me. That's what I love about it is I don't really need pictures or anything like that at the end of the day. I know that there's something else out there. It wouldn't make sense if it was just us. And 
I know that our society teaches to like shoot first, ask questions later as far as UFO stuff and like, oh, they must be bad They're They must be of a higher intelligence. And I think that it's a fear mongering campaign against oh, what we don't know. And I don't want to fall for that any more than what I already had in my younger years. And now I'm like, just because they're smarter than us, like who's the dick in charge that's ego tripping over a higher intelligence once again? Like, why do I not to get, why don't I get to have the knowledge about their existence? Like, who's this guy over here deciding what I get to know and don't know? I, I think that's what made Ray Hernandez and CCRA not, not so, the foundation not so popular. Because the data that they recorded has shown that overwhelmingly most contact is positive. It's so weird. Like one of the when I took the survey, I had to skip the reptilian one. I've not seen reptilians. I've not dealt with them. And to be honest with you, the fact that I've not seen a nine foot tall bipedal crocodile on a craft is cool with me. Man. <laughs> yeah, so, right. Yeah, right. But, <laughs> skip that. Yeah, but, but, I hear yeah. they're not nice anyway. Yeah. but you know, during the graph, they had the thousand, two thousand people that answered that. The graph was skewed. A lot of positives, a lot of neutral, based on they say people saying that when they actually physically encountered these beings, it just scared them to death, mm -hmm. but they weren't negative outside of that. Right. I was scared because yeah. I didn't know what was going on, yeah. not but, because they were mean. I mean, but that's crazy. The stuff yeah. we see on ancient aliens and all the books, isn't every reptilian negative and all that, you know, it really throws a hundred just to it. Like so much of what we hear about the contact experience is not right, not real, mm -hmm. you know, and on the same token, I'll be quiet after this. You know, I, I was shown something during the experience of the, um, acid rain and I asked this being he's talking about the jumping off points into your solar system he's communicating to me there's something wrong here mm -hmm. and there's a reason why we're devoid of soul life memories and they're showing me this type of field of energy that stretches from Saturn which oddly looks like a satellite to me mm -hmm. to Mars the ruins there to Earth to Venus and it creates this type of field this net this scalar field that when we and the dark side of the moon too and if we incarnate here, we go through that field, and it robs us of, of our soul life memories. Oh, so it's like and, our own personal Bermuda Triangle? You know, it's so weird because when I used to steal my brother's older me, he'd come back from L.A., and I would steal his little guru books. And one of them was uh, Bhagwan Sri Rajneesh, and he was talking about, and some of the other gurus talked about how at sleep we go to the moon, and also we incarnate here, we come through this device on the dark side of the moon. I started correlating that with Dr. Richard Hoagland that was with NASA and what he says about the dark side of the moon, the shard and the, the, the palace and all that stuff, you know, but that would be the thing that they call the soul catcher that wipes our minds. And, you know, I feel it goes further than that. I think when we get here to this planet, people come through that frequency, but you have people that are mediums and psychics that would normally be contactees or contactees. They get this auto suggestion of this SSP thing, abduction, probes, all that stuff for negative encounters. And we're so strong when dealing with the brain waves that we have these beings trying to communicate with us through the Mako. We talked about the Mako. And if you have a type five civilization that no longer really physically exists, they still exist within that quantum hologram. And they can still interact with us through the brain, through the brain waves. Okay, so they may no longer exist, exist, but they can non-comport, non-physically interact with us. But we're so entrenched with negative encounters, grays, reptilians, that we're actually altering the contact that's happening. We are that strong, mm -hmm. you know. And I think that's something that needs to be really evaluated when dealing with the contact phenomenon. How much of the people that 
I mean, I mean, no disrespect because I know some people have been some trauma and I mm-hmm. feel for that. But at one point I'm like, man, there's so many SSP super soldiers. The government can do no better than that. I mean, it's like, wow, you know, so. <laughs> but how much of that is these people being stopped from this turning into a type one civilization because they're beginning the type of contact I'm getting? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. By the way, the name that they gave me after all those years, I had to be 36 to apparently get this name. <laughs> it's not the Galactic Federation to no. the people that you talk to, but they no, named it, it. It's Extra Galactic Interdimensional Cooperative Alliance. You know, I was out doing my morning walk about 4 a.m. that I survived brain injuries. You know, yeah, so I do my, my survivor walk and they beam me with this name. All those years I would ask for names. I was younger. I wouldn't ever get anything. Most of them don't even have physical names, you know. But I get that name, and I just stop walking. I say, I said out loud, I was like, are you kidding me? That's worse than the Ashtar Command. I'm going to get laughed out of the community. You know what is it? <laughs> I'm going to get laughed you know, out But the they community. tell me they bring in. Or they're, it's just, not, they're it's, telling it's you not, it's everything not a joke. that they're in charge of. Emphasis on cooperative, and we go from the macro to the micro. And then when I found out later, they're talking about universes, different universes. You know, even those Nordics that I've talked about, I've, I've clowned on the Nordics a little bit, all looking like Fabio. But when I realized <laughs> I had experienced them, you know, I had to deal with it a little. And I'm pretty sure that these gentlemen were time travelers. And I say that based on the craft that they were in had windows on it from the outside. I could see them windows on the outside. None of these craft have windows. And when I was on board, the compartment was very small. And I just believe that they're trying to battle this temporal war that we're in right now. And I think that's very real. You know, talking about time skips, a good one. 9-11, during 9-11, do either of you remember that Manhattan is in, was in the middle of a big hurricane? It was called Hurricane Aaron. You can look that up on NOAA. Mm-hmm. Hurricane, Manhattan mm-hmm. was in the middle of a hurricane during 9-11, it, like I think even air traffic was shut off a day or two. But for some reason on 9-11, it was blue skies. And there's air traffic and all that stuff happens. Look that up. Yeah. Hurricane and Aaron? it's so weird. Yeah, I, 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 know, I, I know a couple people with that name that even lived that area, and they couldn't remember it. And I couldn't even. It's like one of those things you have a time skip that, you know, it just you forget about it. It's much more than just a. Berenstein Bears or Mandela or, yeah. you know, what's the other one now? There's another one. Everyone's there's a couple oh, there's logos I was thinking of. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. So many. It was like, or the ones like there's a, there's a solar system and Little Moton House has been talking about this. It's called Trappist-1. And Trappist-1, they found orbiting that star, it's a red dwarf, are seven planets within the habitable zone, the Goldilocks zone. And now you've got remote viewers. I'm having Jessica Jones says she's a remote viewer for me. But Little Moton has this guy, Buddy, that remote views it, and he's seen a ship there and a colonizing process going on. Amphibians of a very high conscious levels on one of the planet. And things are interesting. I've had an encounter with a non-physical green light that told me it was from um, an aquatic planet. You know, so hmm. I don't talk about that because it wasn't a physical experience. But nonetheless, you know, it's, it, I don't know where it begins and ends. Beings that can actually build things in water through Structures through pure consciousness. That's where it's at. And I like to see us go this way. Right now, if you have Yoda 
and Luke Skywalker come by this place, they're going to say, check, please. They're going to keep going. I'm not going to stop here. A Jedi or anything like that? <laughs> this is Tortuga <laughs> to the universe. That's what, that's what I've figured out yeah. from all of my research. I'm like, okay, so gray aliens, apparently they're small, medium, and large, and that's the only difference between them. So they don't have, like, individuality. But, like, me, like, today I decided on a tie-dye shirt and some nice jeans. And have you encountered grays? Huh? Have you encountered them? Uh, no, not me personally. I really enjoy, um, I cannot believe I can't think of her name right now. It's Elizabeth. Oh my God. I can't believe. Anyways, she is, um, a really good, um, medium between talking to extraterrestrials. I can literally see her face in my head and I cannot believe I can't think of her right now, but she, she did like two or three different specials on Gaia. And, um, she was explaining, like she was asking for the interviewer, like Pleiadians, Arcturians, Greys, and all of that. Um, because they were showing her in their transmissions, like, you know, what they're doing, like why they even care to help out with earth. Uh Um, because apparently like we're so limited and small as far as like intelligence compared to their higher knowing and their connectedness. Um, but she was explaining how important our individuality was but it was also tied to our suffering because um like through my ego and like me knowing that i'm cheyenne now i have an attachment to the name cheyenne and not only who gave me the name but my family attachments and you know like this notebook i'm attached to like all of these attachments that we have like this is the reason that we aren't technically evolving she goes but look at all of these other people they don't have their individuality just like the place that you said that you channel from, nobody has names there. You don't think they have names there. And I think there's a reason they don't give each other names is because I'm not going to give you an illusion well, from the beginning. Well, they start recognizing by vibration and appearance of the soul itself. Which you know? is why it and, makes and, a lot of sense and, how thick we are and how vibration, like how low we are. And I think it's very important for people to know this. Like for me, I was very stressed out when I would look, I'm having these experiences. I look in the media and it's not conforming to what I'm going through. The beings aren't, not everything is from Pleiades, you know, Mm -hmm. and I like everything Pleiades. And then I found later that actually the first Pleiadians here were the ones that seeded the aboriginals. They say, look, just like us. So the first Pleiadians were here were black, melanin dominant. They weren't all Fabio, you know, things like that. We don't hear about though, but nonetheless, these, Experiences I were having weren't conforming to the Pleiades, Octurius, Sirius, none of the places we hear so much in, in the communities right now, which I believe is true. I'm not doubting that, but so much of us have, so many of us have had extra galactic experiences, beings that don't come from the Milky Way. And after dealing with Dr. Shields, heck, I had to deal with tonight from this universe, half of them, you know, so I, that, that really threw my gamut off, you know, but that's what we're dealing with when dealing with consciousness. And let alone the different types of life forms that are in other universes that come through. It's, it's really fascinating. It's kind of like when you pass the gates of dreaming and you can actually shift your full cognitive awareness to everything around you. Then the next stage is to realize you're in the middle of an electron impulse and what other energy generating entities are in your perception. Mm-hmm. It's hard, but that's the, like the ultimate goal of dreaming. I can't do it, but I tried, got close. <laughs> <laughs> I love when I that did, When I did, the thing got away from me, and then you're told, well, you can actually follow it. I'm not following that thing. 
I don't know what dimension it's going to. What right. part of the dreamland can I get back? <laughs> no thanks. <laughs> well, you bring up a movie. One of my favorite movies that Disney made. It's called A Wrinkle in Time, and they're mm-hmm. they're you know With the Robin part. Robin Williams, right? No, this Oprah Winfrey Oprah. Okay. was on here, mm-hmm. and the dad was um, whatever scientist he was, but he was trying. He was using energy, frequency, and vibration to basically tessellate to other worlds in time. Mm-hmm. And he, him, and his wife had been working on this for like ever. One night out in his garage, all of the octaves linked up and he went through folds in time and wound up like he bounced around to a couple other places and then he got caught up on would be the hell of the dimensions where um nothing good can go there and it's really hard to get out because it's so negative right so his kids believe that he didn't just lose his freaking mind and go run away somewhere and disappear which is what mainstream media said because we can't ever say that using a tesseract is real, right? Um, and that mathematics is everything in the universe. So um, s- somehow, like, uh, the calling from his child went out into the universe, and these basically ascended masters or beings of light came in to help and they sent them through the folds of time found the father in like the big dark space um sorry to run the movie for anybody that hasn't watched it but they (laughs) basically yeah they (laughs) save him they save him from this place and come back and i've always thought about that with you know starting astro travel or going in places like the dreamscape like that you meet things over there and they're like hey come this way like I'm really nice. And I'm like, I'm a human soul out in a place where I don't really know where I am right now. And I can believe in the silver cord to bring me back as much as possible. But I'm not really educated enough on what you are to see if you're actually going to like trap my soul somewhere randomly. And I'm just going to be in a coma the rest of my life. A lot of that comes with right now. And I did that video over bad advice. And it's these people telling people not to go in the light. It's a trap. You're going to reincarnate. And they're not, first of all, most all of them I've heard of, they're not mediums. They've not dealt with any population of earthbound spirit inside or outside the energy field. Do they even know what I said about that? You know, they're even aware of that. So that's one thing. And the next thing is that is straight deception, you know. And at the point of death, the way I believe it is that I kind of experience is like if you sleep like nine or ten hours, a real long, deep sleep, going to REM and all that, when the alarm goes off, you shut off, but you're kind of discombobulated for about a minute. And you come together and get along with your day, you know. Mm -hmm. But I think death is like that a lot. You first wake up, you're kind of discombobulated for a second. And that's when you have these other forces that will try to beat the forces of light and give you either a false light. But you have discernment when you're out of the body. I certainly did. I know the difference between the life-giving light of the sun and the kind of cold light of the moon. They're different. You know, so that's, that's use people's discernment. Don't just let somebody tell you that, hey, they didn't even go through it. That's something they heard from somebody else. Don't go into the light. Yeah. And that's causing people to be trapped down here, mm-hmm. you know. And I can say that definitely are based on strictly the earthbound spirit population I've dealt with. And the ones that somebody asked me recently, said, what happens when you cross the light? I don't fully know, but I've seen others come back in angelic form and helping with other angels. And I don't see any of the earthbound spirits able to use these portals not even haunted houses very much. They attach to people and move around like that or objects, you know, electronics, stuff like that. So, well, the whole like ghostly term of like unfinished business mm-hmm. is a great for, for you to explain like the attachments, addictions, fear, and basically being uneducated on the light. Yeah. So, yeah. when I think about the agenda of, of any church in general that 
sells the rhetoric of heaven and hell. And if you do all these things, you're going to go to hell. (laughs) So you've had a lot of earthbound say, like, I didn't go into the light, even though the light educated me that I was going back to God because I felt unworthy of God's love, even in the in-between of afterlife and eternity. (laughs) And that, like, that is probably what hurt my heart the most is because you would hope that, you know, when we're like our brainstem is gone, like there's, there's nothing going on. You hope in that blink that you have, um, found the eternal knowledge of truth, what we all want to go back to. And what you've just told me is there's still this area where people are frightened and confused after they technically are dead and they don't even know how to get back home because they were educated improperly on earth about where they're going. And that makes me sad. And a lot of that comes from the sheer shock of death. Yeah. Yeah. The sheer shock of it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Then, then after that, you start getting discombobulated at that point, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's interesting, like when I spoke about the, the, the female spirit that was still obsessing about this guy from another past life that had reincarnated, you know how hard that is to deal with in our society doesn't even want to admit past lives exist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, wow, so how are you going to relieve a trauma from there? You know, it's a, our yeah, whole footing true. is kind of wrong on mm-hmm. that, you know? It, I uh, never really understood the, like the whole, you get one life to figure it out and then you have eternal life and salvation in heaven. Even when I was a kid, I was super confused because I would have family members that lived by that book and they would be like, you are such an old soul. And I'm like, how can I be an old soul <laughs> if this is my first time on earth? Yeah. And then I have my stepmom is a really good example of just like planting seeds. She didn't even mean to plan when we were kids, but she was like, you had to have been my kid in a past life. Like, it just does not make any sense to me how I would not have been your mother in a past life. But then like you're my stepmom in this life. So you still kind of get that role. But there was something in me from a young kid where she was like, you had to have been mine out of all three. Like I just see you and I'm like, I know that I mothered you in a past life, but we didn't believe in past lives in our house like that. Like it was just a saying, oh, your kid's an old soul. I don't really know how they talk like this at eight years old, but they must be an old soul. But the church that we go to is telling us we only get one shot, you know? (laughs) So I just, again, like the things that break you, you don't even realize are breaking you. I had a lot of experiences like that where I'm like, this is wrong, you know? And then you talk about like, why do I have this thought where I want to go down this rabbit hole on on albino Sasquatch, (laughs) you know? And you find out why, like I was like, why do I want to go down this, um, rabbit hole on Hinduism and Buddhism like day one just dropped out of college missed my world religions class that I was dying to go to so I just went to a thrift store and picked up everything on world, world religion religions, I could that find was a boring class uh, well I, I didn't make it, was, it. well I didn't make it yeah, so I decided to become <laughs> I decided to become my own teacher I was like well nobody's nobody can tell me I can't go learn this stuff before it would have been like oh Cheyenne we don't do that you know, here's your book. But I was already rebellious anyways. And I think that's why I've seen Jesus since I was a young kid. Cause he's like, I was rebellious too. I just really wasn't as rebellious as you, you know, <laughs> calm it down. But I love you. You're doing great. You know, you're doing it kid. <laughs> well, and you just mentioned about the albino Sasquatch. Should we like, cause we haven't talked about that side of this. Yeah. At so, all. I mean, I love all the things that you're you're into and I love how they come to you because I think that there's this misconception in 
any form of like coming into a gift, whether it's clairvoyance or hypnosis or anything like that, you have to stop or you have to like pick one. And, you know, maybe there, maybe you just came in and you found out you're a medium and that's what your main focus is. But then there's people like me who feel like I'm a jack of all trades in so many aspects of this stuff. Um, like for instance, like I had a friend come over last week. Um, by the end of it, we used my pendulum, six tarot decks, a little bit of Reiki and a little bit of crystal knowledge to get her over a little issue that we're doing. And that's just me hanging out with my friends. Don't even get me started if you pay me to help you. <laughs> right. But I've always I can pick up from here. Tell her to release the trauma stored right in here. Heart, heart trauma. And she's got some stuff in her lungs. Tell her to release that. She's going to die when I tell her that because that already came up in another reading from another lady. And I was really? the in-between <laughs> reader. So I was like, okay, so we're going to focus on like this chakra and this chakra and da 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 So I cannot wait to tell her that. She's actually a guest on the show too. So that's even better. Um, I think a deceased relative, she didn't want to let go. I think they're kind of hanging out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I won't say any more than that. Sorry, I don't. Oh, I'm go- I'm going to show her this recording. I, I can't wait to say that. Stuff, so. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, but no, it's great because again, like you're showing how it comes to you. Your brain is a receiver. You're just open enough to receive the information. But you have a catalog of experiences, and you take all of this stuff and you help people. You, you know, something I had to accept. You know, especially when I was younger, I felt like I was chasing after this stuff all the time. I didn't realize it was chasing me. You know, mm. and sometimes these classifications are not the separate things we want them to be and it, dealing with consciousness. And it is like quantum entanglement. It's all together. You know, for me, you mentioned Sasquatch. You know, I my, my brother, my brother talks about this because we were hanging out before I went to SETI the first time in 2016. And a week and a half before that, I was just even before I put together my PDF, I was just obsessed with albino Sasquatch. I Out of nowhere, up, right? Th- yeah, yeah. I was yeah. checking out Thinker Thunker, uh, M.K. Davis. I mean, you name it. I was on all of it, you know. And um, then when I actually get to SETI Ranch, I've never been to that part of the United States in Oregon and Washington. And I was unprepared for how remote that ranch was from Portland. <laughs> wow, I don't think it's that high up there. <laughs> and then, and, you know, then we get there, and immediately at the gate, I feel like I'm being watched. I mean, it's crazy. And I had just done a video over invisibility techniques, and I'll be darned if I didn't get out there and it started being done to me. One of my conditions for speaking there was a brother doesn't pitch uh, tents anymore. I've not done that since Cub Scouts. That was like 50 <laughs> years ago, you know. So, <laughs> But um, back of the cabin I was in, the trees started getting pushed over. I went having a rock put on my doorstep and several different things happened being yelled at that although I didn't see the Sasquatch, they were definitely affecting my life. Going out there, seeing a holographic mountain next to Mount Adams, a UFO I could see through it. Somebody else is with me. They're seeing this. We run on drugs or nothing. It's like normal. This is real, you know, and it, I, at the point I thought, okay, good Lord, it's got to be the mountain altitude is getting to me, <laughs> but it, that type of delusion is not shared, you know? Right. So things like this, but, um, I personally believe this is a little bit off topic, but I believe there is a device inside Mount, inside Mount Adams um, that reads soul life life memories and then produces a tech, an orb technology that sends out an orb that gets in your energy field and alters your perception. Huh. And I say that based I've on how many heard. people go out there and see Sasquatch walking through a field and it just disappears. Or like, even for me, I had to evaluate things because so much stuff happened to me the first year I was at a SETI, 2016. When I went back in 2017, I had to do a hypnotic regression before I went in 2017. I had to know what I was dealing with, even beyond basic 
perception, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, that's what I saw is actually um, a crystalline device inside this mountain that is scanning people, releasing these orbs that changes people's perception. And what's really crazy about that, later I was invited to speak in 2019. Just after 2017, after I discovered this, I see a video done by remote video, remote viewer, excuse me, John Vavinko. And he is, in fact, we even did something on my channel about this. Uh, his team had saw a quite similar device inside Mind Adams. They mm-hmm. described it and drew it. Then I come up on in research, I see in J.J. Hertog's book, The Keys of Enoch, something they call an OR station, O-R station. And they have diagrams of it that look similar to what I'm talking about and what it does. And I believe this is a device that is left over from type one civilization that Earth used to be. I don't know how many of them are functioning still on Earth. I think Mount Adams has got one, maybe Mount Shasta. Shasta. Jimmy Church kind of wasn't sure. He said, he said I've heard it's at Mount different. Shasta too. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I'd say you know what, Mount Kalagash in, T- in Tibet. I think mm-hmm. that's another one too. So I don't know how many of those together, but I think when certain of us get around these things, either it's a blood type or a DNA or soul life memories, we trigger these devices and they start operating. While some of us see things more and it's more active for others. You know, I would tell you right now that sounds really kind of bogus, but in 2019, one of the things we had to do, or 2017, is a sky watch. Look, judge me, whatever, Barry Lilton doesn't believe in sky watches because those ships get too close and you start missing time. It's not really that fun. You know, they don't know what's in those craft that they're calling down, yada, yada. But I had to do a sky watch. So what I decided to do was introduce a pranayama, pranayama breath of uh, pineal gland exercise. It looks just ridiculous when you do it. It looks funny. But I demonstrated to all the people. And for me, it's the most powerful pineal gland exercise, third eye exercise I've ever done. So I turned everybody on to it, had them do it. It's a group of probably, I don't know, 70 people in there or more. And you know, when it was over with this, so many people, and it's cool because at those conferences, it's not really about the speakers. It's the attendees that probably have more experiences and should be talking before the attendees. Mm-hmm. And so many people start saying, ah, after right after this deal, I'm seeing this grid. I'm seeing a grid. It looks almost like a checkerboard. So many people are saying it. I knew what this was. It's that field of energy being projected from that mountain, scanning people's soul memories. Like, for example, I've had a lot of experiences, but you know, I've not seen cat beings, feline beings, experienced the female or feline energy but had not actually seen one of these things. They claim that that's what's in these ships out there. I do this regression for 2017. What happens? This first day I got out there, these ships are around me at 2 o'clock in the morning. The lady I was talking to out there just left me out there in the field. You know, how many you just leave me out there? You know, I seem like <laughs> you need to be out there. And these things are getting too close, and they're doing what the Native Americans would say, dancing in the sky. They're dancing, and they're getting very close, Okay. And I was trying to home in on it, uh, trying to tune in, and I like I couldn't fully get through or isolate. So I wanted to know what my subconscious saw in hypnosis. And what I see is I'm before I'm in on the ship looking from a distance, but I'm seeing these what look like slate, like slate, almost like stagmites or however you say it. And then like a cold run of some type of I don't know what it was, but there's this cat being standing over it. And this thing has got to be about eight feet tall. It's got the legs of a cat, but it comes up, it's standing erect, and it has on this, it sounds funny, but it has on like a guru jacket. 
a, a white jacket with a golden trim on it. It was fresh. I would wear it, you know, but I was, I was like, <laughs> I would wear it. what is, and you know, and then when I got done with this and, you know, calculating, uh, um, cataloging the regression, everything and listening to it, I kept thinking, I was like, okay, how much of this is something I experienced versus this aura station scanned my soul memories and said, you've not seen a feline being yet. Here you go. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's things like that that have to be taken into account. But or right. to, Yeah, yeah. But it's still fun nonetheless. Like somebody said, when you got the mind speak from the Sasquatch out there, I, you know, I, look, I, I couldn't sleep at night and I feel like I'm being watched from that field of dreams. I got to walk down to this cabin, walk by this, that rooster coop. And, and oh <laughs> I, feel, I feel like I'm being watched. I turn off my flashlight and I said it out loud and I said it telepathically, both. I said, look, I'm from the Midwest, and I was talking like I want to have experience, but that was just talking. I was and lying. What, yeah, yeah. What do you guys walk out of the bush on me? You're 12 feet tall. I'm going to lose it. So just don't do it. I went back in the cabin. I'm sitting there, and I start getting this telethought. And when I say that, it's strong. I'm seeing pictures, emotions I'm feeling, and I'm getting some English. English. That normally happen, you know, and telling me things like, it's illegal for us to be seen by you. Um, you can refer, refer to me as elder. And then I'm seeing, I don't have a limp, and I'm seeing in my mind's eye a 12-foot blonde Sasquatch doing a backflip. Like David Lee Roth on the jump video. At the end of that video, he does a backflip for no reason. It looked like that. And it sounds ridiculous, but, you know, I didn't. I found out later that some of the bigger, taller Sasquatch have a limp of a type of a gait that shows they may have a limp. Like a broken leg or a damaged leg or something as they get taller. You know, uh, this rock on my doorstep, James Gillian that runs that place, he started talking to me the next day. I wasn't saying much. You're being quiet. That's what somebody's messing with me. They're putting rocks on my doorstep. There's trees getting, you know, stuff going on. And he tells me Eight that's a calling. trees. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That means whoever pushed it over be 12 feet tall. He says that's a calling caller for Sasquatch. The rocks on porches and also bundles of sticks. And things like that that just kept going on and on. Experiences I had out there with whatever it was. I can't say for sure it was Sasquatch. But it was doing a pretty darn good telepathic imitation. That's <laughs> yeah. that. And why? And why? You and know what trees. I mean? So I can't say it wasn't that device out there doing it, but it sure didn't feel like it. It felt like a living being. And I promise you, ladies, it wasn't an ape, whatever it was. Yeah. It felt more like a shaman, mm-hmm. you know? So food for thought, if nothing else. Well, right. just like you said, the golden rule. I mean, to me, it's like karma, like what you what you put out is going to come back to you. So in uh, speaking in energy, which... I would just say, like, I see energy. I don't really need to name it. I don't have to be like, I see your aura. I can do Reiki. Like, energy is just my thing. So with you putting the energy out there that you're like, yeah, I want to have an experience. And I just got a download about this certain type of Sasquatch. And then you go out there and they're like, okay, go ahead. Give it back to him. This is what he wanted. Like, oh. you really did get exactly what you wanted. Oh, I got blasted out there. Yeah. I got blasted. They, they, I'm pretty sure they hit me and Albert with infrasound. Not enough to make us sick, but I think it tags you. It does something. Like little things, like things about them when they come around, all those frogs out there around those ponds, they all stop. You know, you may not see a Sasquatch, but why do they all stop? Silence why did like all that. of them stop? Humans, yeah. humans are some of those dangerous things on this planet, but we don't stop the frogs. You know, so it's like. <laughs> yeah. What, what's coming, what's breaking the trees that eight feet? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, well, my favorite part about it was the guy said that there was high activity out there. He's like, yeah, I'll show you where the activity's at. And then uh-huh. he just happened to drive to where you were staying, too. Well, he, well, he takes me He takes me to see these prints, and they're on the other side of this back 40 
And we didn't actually see any prints because it had not rained in a long time. He said the, the dry, the ground was too dry, too, too dry. But it wasn't far from where I was staying in this cabin. I can look up and I could see a hole. And this thing is 12, 13 feet up, but it would look right down on the cabin. Wow. Okay. A little stuff like that. The following year, I meet a gentleman named, <laughs> I'll say, Tom Powell. <laughs> Tom Powell. Uh, very... <laughs> um, enthusiastic uh, Bigfoot researcher that lives down there in Oregon and is a high school astronomy teacher. And I told him what happened with the rock and some of the other things. And he gives me a leaf that he puts a human face on it and tells me to put it by the cabin where this leaf, where this rock was the following year, if anything happens. And to remember that I'm dealing with a species that's so aware of every minuscule of its environment that they will change something minuscule to see if you have heightened awareness to catch it and that happened to me and more to the point that I had some sort of experience with the squirrel that I'm sure was a shapeshifter and that sounds ridiculous but there's some connection there you know with the, between the objects that lured me back behind that that yurt to this squirrel communicating with me and where we live here we got tons of squirrels especially in my neighborhood I've never seen anything like this never one that does some sort of a melody and gets on a tree about five, seven feet away and is looking at me dead in my eye. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it looks like that from the side and they, and it's making this noise that fe- makes me feel funny. Mm-hmm. And I, I said, I must look ridiculous because I got my computer in one hand. I said, I'm, I'm going to go in and I'm going to get this, this, this my, my emergency cashew stash. And I come out <laughs> to try to feed it and it takes off and jumping around the trees so quick I can't hardly track it with my eye. And it wow. comes halfway down, looks back at me, makes this sound that I've never heard a squirrel make. Jumps on the ground, takes off to the right, towards the back 40 where he took me to see those prints. I mean, I went back up there. It stopped my world, you Mm -hmm. know? So I'll be quiet. But in dealing with Tom Powell, he had said something. I called him. I said, some sort of shape-shifting deal happened out there. And he says, you know, they." he said this to me twice, but I didn't catch it. He says, you know, they live in trees, Sasquatch. I'm like, you mean, are they like building Gilligan huts in the, uh, in, in, the, in the trunks or maybe living in arboreal. He says, no, that they can symbiotically merge with a tree. And sometimes when they shapeshift, they'll shapeshift to appear as tree stumps. And I said that on one of those shows, Jimmy Church or somebody, I got a bunch of emails about that. People on property seeing them doing that all over the country, you know? So it's just, it's fascinating. I don't know where it begins and ends, but I compare that to something called the Green Man in Europe that they say is similar to Sasquatch, but it's also made of trees. And, you know, I've heard things, military reports, saying that there's blood that's been found from them that supposedly contains chlorophyll. What's that? Just food for thought. Mm. The skin, the, 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 the hair I've seen is supposedly, looks like it's partially translucent with some tinges of green in it. That would make cl- camouflaging awful easy. Naturally, food for thought again, you know. <laughs> I like Sasquatch research. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess there's a big connection between them and the UFO phenomenon. You know, it's a point to where Tom Palliser became frenzy. They were, I'm not the UFO guy for this conference. I'm the Bigfoot guy. <laughs> but there's a connection. So we got to talking, you know. And um, so many things. He wrote a book called The Fringes of Science. And it's all about that stuff. And it goes, people, I think some people make fun of him because it's woo-woo. You know, but it's really valid when how the Native Americans dealt with Sasquatch quite a bit. And I think there's a lot to be said there. 
I think that'd be a good, that's, that's a good, uh, what am I trying to say? Research bundle to go into. Mm -hmm. He he says something, you know, he says, um, him and this guy with him, this clairvoyant and, uh, says he's telepathic with Sasquatch. He says there was a tribe in Oregon they went to see because there was reports of a family of Sasquatch interacting with this tribe. And they especially wanted to see the alpha male. He's supposed to be a 12 footer. So they wanted to see him. And he took this guy who goes to some special place and communicates with them. And the tribe had been telling him, well, we've seen the mother and the daughter, but we've not seen the male. And the woman tells the gentleman that's communicating, says, well, uh, my husband, he's gone. The green ones took him, and we don't like them very much. They took him to work, but when he's done with the work, he'll be back. Mm. So look at Tom. I said, well, who are the green ones? And he says, well, he'll never say this publicly, but my friend David Pilates, you know him too. He's like, yeah, he says it's the reptilians. And he started thinking a little bit like, what could take something that's 12 feet tall like a Sasquatch, that strength, and actually make them do work outside of technology? Probably a 12 or 14 foot lizard like Corey Good talks about, Draco might be the one that could do it. Food for thought, if nothing else. I'm not saying that's real and that's the fact of it, but we deal with type one civilization where that thing in the mountain out there comes from. How much of that goes back? We're dealing with a species that would have been dealing with the intergalactic trade, whether primitive, natural or not, they would have been aware of it. You know, a whole other thing going on. We mm-hmm. deal with that. Sorry, I'll be quiet. I feel like I'm taking us way left or something. No. Sasquatch territory. No, you know, no, you're fine. Next thing you know, I'll be begging stuff on, on trees. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that's hilarious. Well, I don't think that's the way to get their attention. Weren't you saying that there was a big tribe of um, Sasquatch in Arizona, too? Yeah. I had a friend that used to, her father, they mined crystals at some mine way up there, she said it was. Mm-hmm. And she said that there were so many tracks up there, and her dad would always stop and measure them out. She said, it was just so boring. I hated when you do that. I was like, <laughs> how big was the biggest track? She said, I think it was like 24, 25 inches. Wow. Like, wow, those are some big ones. And I I didn't even thought about mountains being in Arizona, you yeah. know. But since then, she told me that. It's been 10 years ago or more. Mm-hmm. I've heard so much research being done up there in Arizona mountains now about mm-hmm. concerning Sasquatch. It's like. Okay, I got you. you so know. they're just everywhere. Yeah, and they're different types of them, mm-hmm. like four or five different types. And the ones that are type fours are very aggressive. They're also called Gugwe and Janoska. And the ones that have more of a muzzle, like a mandrel, they're known to be cannibals towards people. Mm. So, yeah, so people always say there are forest brothers, not every type of them, you know. So, and we don't know that much about them. Mm -hmm. Uh, but I'm still Yeah, and think about how we react to stuff that we don't know we immediately think it's a threat so I would assume that anything that's literally been trying to avoid humans finding it for years on end Mm -hmm. either is higher intelligence and doesn't want to mess with you you know it's like the senior in high school and a kindergartner's coming (laughs) up to you that's what it probably feels like Mm -hmm. or you know what would happen if we actually just like got one, like somebody grabbed a Sasquatch? You know, the government would come in and put it in some weird detainee place and like take it apart and then do a Mandela effect on everybody where nobody ever actually saw a Sasquatch. You know, I did a video, it's only on my Patreon channel, but it's over Sasquatch in the military. I've heard many things. One of them being somebody said that they were um, part of a team that went in and cleared out the marijuana fields in uh, California. And they come up on one of these fields and there was some Sasquatch in there. And one of them was a female on the ground. And what happened is she got trapped in one of the you know, those elaborate traps they have to protect those fields. Mm-hmm. She got trapped and her leg was gone. And the male was out there protecting her and the baby. Oh. And they describe how it took uh, 
so many shots from every soldier out there to bring soldier out there to bring that male down. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very see again. It's like we just shot a Sasquatch. It hurts my Uh heart. I can't say it's true, but man, the military must know about them and uh, collected them or what that is. And no matter how we look at it. And I can say this for myself, definitely. There's something paranormal and supernatural about these beings. You know, there was a a deal called Ape Canyon in California, that old story where the Sasquatch, they shot one and they're throwing the rocks down on the cabin. That's the way you take that, like these Neanderthals, ice men throwing down rocks on this cabin. But in reality, the gentleman that shot that Sasquatch wrote a book. It's like 30 pages. I, I dealt with the eight men of... Saint uh, Mount St. Helens, and he described there being a supernatural effect to these beings and what he called manifested beings. He said, we found tracks that just came out of nowhere, then disappeared. Even one on a barge in this little pond or lake or whatever, they go out there, there's just a single pair of tra- tracks on the sandbar, like this thing just came down in the air and went up. No mm. tracks anywhere on the sandbar, how it could possibly have got there. So what is that? He's saying he he thought they manifest around the morphogenic field of humanity. The closer we, more we encroach into the wilderness, the more they're getting closer. And that's why they're just manifesting beings. Once they manifest, they leave scat, have to eat all the things that we do, become mortal in that way. Mm -hmm. But they don't stay manifested. Can't say that's the absolute truth. But putting in context how many times Sasquatch has been reported to be bulletproof, or devil monkeys, if you know what those are. Dogmen, there's a lot of encounters of them being impervious to bullet, bullets as well. What is that? Why? Is that a density thing when they manifest? Are they robots? I mean, what the heck? <laughs> Food for thought. You know? So I, I love that you brought that up because I didn't know if I was going to bring this up, but I'm going to now and uh, do your own research. But what I've seen, which is more out there than Sasquatch already existing, is that Sasquatch is actually from the elemental realm. So just like when people see like elves and gnomes and stuff like that, um, it's where like their dimension crosses over with us really quick and we can see them and they're physical. Like you can touch them. They're real. It's not an apparition. But then eventually because of planetary alignment and all that fun stuff out, like they go away. So I don't know if that's true at all, but I had never thought about Sasquatch being an interdimensional, higher vibrational being until I came across this. And then I I felt more than it was like, oh, okay, so it's not like some caveman that just stayed a caveman. Or right. it's not just, it's just not some humanoid, like, trapped on Earth. Like, there is, like the, your friend said, UFOs and Sasquatch are somehow connected. I don't know how it is, but it is. And now I officially think I'm of some higher dimensional being. You know, we mentioned Jessica, and something she had did a recent, she's got an RV show she does now on Saturdays. And she remote viewed not just um, the Beast of Double Lakes, but she also did the one that's, uh, I think it's called, Port Luck, that town that was completely evacuated and they said it was a Sasquatch that was killing people. And so often we found Sasquatch is blamed for things that really is probably government activity. Mm -hmm. But this one, when she reviewed it, it was a family of Sasquatch that were murdering the people in that that town based on the people. That town was an encroachment on their territory. But what's interesting about that, when she describes it, I said there's about four uh, four categories of Sasquatch. They call them the types of Bigfoot. But um, this one she described as more being a type two. 
And type two is supposed to be maybe a little smaller. It depends, but they're more chimpanzee like. Mm -hmm. And what I've always heard them described of is they're the ones that are devoid of paranormal abilities. They're more like actual uh, animals, apes. Mm. So that would make sense why there's so many different varieties that people are seeing too. And they're like, oh, wait, Mm -hmm. mine had magical powers. And you're like, oh, well, mine ate his own shit. Yeah. (laughs) This one, one, yeah, this one, she she had said that. She said in her data, she got up that these are more like animals. They weren't super intelligent and they didn't have any supernatural abilities. Mm -hmm. So that'd be a type two. And it makes you wonder at what point, if this is a laboratory, does this begin and end? How mm-hmm. many types are metaphysical, supernatural? How many are just beasts? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Well, you, if you it, were talking about it from evenly like DNA structure mm-hmm. or even DNA splicing, it's like who went who went into the Sasquatch and decided mm-hmm. you you're going to have metaphysical abilities. You're uh-huh. going to eat your own shit. You're going to be albino and throw rocks at people. Uh-huh. Yeah. You're uh, going to travel interdimensionally. Uh-huh. You know, I just did a video on something called um, <clears throat> Homo Nalidi, and that's a new hominid that was found in the caves, rising star cave system of South Africa, where there's some tar there, and they found all these body parts, even like almost a full skeleton, Homo Nalidi. But what's interesting, there's this guy named Jeremy De Silva, um, anthropologist, that's been had a team working on these bones, but also he got with the animations people and had reconstructed how this being would have walked based on his cellular structure. And you know, they show this, it's so amazing when he shows it walking. One is it suffers from something called hyperpronation, which is where the knees rotate inwards and almost rub, and it causes a great problems with humans that have that, to plant our feet, to not walking right, and a problem with athle- athletics, okay? And what's very interesting, if you look at the Patty video, there's always so much controversy, you know, the person in that suit is walking with pro uh, notion, notion of legs, though. Same thing, okay? And that is nearly impossible to fake. Whoever it is walking so fast in that suit. So you got somebody in the suit that also causes hyperpronation of both knees. It doesn't work. Now, Homo Nalindi was like only five feet tall. So it wasn't, I'm not saying that was Sasquatch. But we're looking at these genetic codes. That's a big one, Mm -hmm. you know, and one that kind of verifies that film as well. You know, earlier five years ago or more, there was a monster quest where they did an evaluation of that film and they got a athlete. They tried to put in a suit with the equipment and have him walk like that. And he couldn't do it because of the hyperpromation of the knees. So food for thought. You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> I think mm-hmm. if people really look at the data, it's there. You don't have to kill something to bring it in for a body. We're getting past that with science, I think. Well, mm. I really hope we are, at <laughs> least. That's why I'm mm. like, yeah, it'd be nice to know more, but not if we're going <clears> to <throat> treat it like such a barbaric, let's find you and dissect you type thing. <laughs> Primitives, yeah. <laughs> but I can't wait to go back through this episode and like write out what we've actually done. And before we wrap it up, I know I was going to ask you this earlier. Um, My theme for this season, um, even though some of it's super grounded and some of it's like, you know, really out there for some people, but um, earthling or alien, when in all of your experiences and you knowing that there's more out there, like, did you realize, like, I know I was born on earth, but I'm not from here. And then like, 
when when did the whole alien thing come to you? And alien just meaning like a marketed term, not <laughs> in a specifics. Just as far as like starseed, otherworldly, like when did you make that connection that you're more than a human? Well, I mean, I consider myself a human, but I had very much past life memories that include not being on this planet, coming from somewhere else very far away, and it was not Pleiades and other places. So I had to kind of deal with that first and then realize how much that was actually connected to the uh, extraterrestrial, uh, to just the awake. They're all connected, you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, absolutely. I, I didn't realize because for me it's hard to decipher who's coming from the stars, who's coming from another dimension, who's coming from the sea, yeah. you know what I mean? So it's stuff like that. But I detected with this was definite I wasn't from Earth. I remember coming here and more than that, coming here without a body. So it starts telling me that some of the things about us accruing bodies and coming more physical as we get to dimensions or places like this, mm -hmm. I think it's very real, you know, and whether or not we have to go through the full incarnation process, I think depends on how strong our thought forms are because there are a whole lot of different containers for consciousness, including plasma. I've seen that. So. Does that answer that kind of was that too weird? No, no, no. I loved it. I don't think you said anything weird today, believe it or not. Like yeah. <laughs> everything you said, I was like, yes, I'm yeah. totally into everything that you're saying right now. You know, when, when that insectoid told me where he came from, he's saying 900 million light years out beyond the space time, time continuum. When I start looking at Hubble deep space, I get really pulled to an area of space called Abel 2256. The Abel are as, um, super galaxies that are colliding together about that far out. And there's several different parts of a bell, but this one's a bell 2256. And it got kind of, you know, disconcerting because nobody in ufology is talking about a bell <laughs> or anywhere even near there. You know, I'm seeing other things like the Virgo galaxy and things I know I've been through on the way here. You know what I mean? But you don't hear people talking about that either. Extra galactic contact experiences. I think it's real important. I think it's real important, too. And I really, really appreciate you coming and sharing everything that you have. Oh, thank you for having mm -hmm. me. And I, you have your own YouTube channel. It's called Barry Littleton. I'll link it at the bottom so people can go check you out to keep up with all your research, conferences you're speaking at. Um, the one thing that I want to bring up is when we met in at the Holistic Fair, I guess I'd call it that, um, you were talking about how one day you saw yourself maybe bringing a convention to Wichita. Do you, do you still, like, do you, do you have a little bit of fear surrounding that? Is it something in the future that you hope to bring light? Because I think Wichita is just a great, great place to bring people uh -huh. and share the information, whatever your information being. You know, put it to you like this. I'm still open on that, definitely. Yeah. And, and I think it would be a good place. And the thing that kind of I found disconcerting is how much, bureaucracy I'm seeing on the conference circuit, you know, so many people go to one conference. Oh, there are double people there. I felt sick. And, you know, they curse the thing that people got a business. Yeah. It's like, man, if we can make one that has really a good vibration, like the last one I saw, it would be worth it, I think. And, yeah. And this may not be the place that's the most sight field or, well, they, we've got things here to do, but it's not about that. It's about the information that could come direct and making a conference that normal people can go to that don't have to be really wealthy to get there, which is cool. But I mean, it's nice for people that are just normal to be able to get to something like that and engage. And like the people that need their mind open, not yeah. necessarily the guy that's getting ready to step on the stage. I don't need exactly. you to know what the guy's about to say. I just, 
I want you to be open enough to sit and listen to the messages. And, you know, most of it, as I found, being somebody who presents at those things, it's interacting with the audience and the people that are there outside of the times you're speaking or in that hall itself. And those people are paying a lot of money. They deserve that. You know yeah. what I mean? It's just somebody speaks and then disappears because they're, like, wanting to be famous. It's not about that. No, no, you know? no, no, no. I definitely... I definitely don't see it from that stance. I just know that there that, there was know. some apprehension of bringing a conference to Wichita. And I mean, latitude and longitude wise, like Wichita is just perfect for anything, energy, numerology, anything like that. But I do see a lot of insecurity in the community as a whole um, leveling <laughs> up. So I know it just it's going to take it's going to take a community of people to come up and do it. As I've said before, I'm super big on observe, don't attach. So I'm able to just like help anybody. Like if you wanted help with your conference, I got you. If that band needs help putting their stage together, I got you too. Well, you know what they say, don't you? That the wheel moves the slowest in the middle. Uh, we're about <laughs> yeah well i mean at least it's still moving desiree yeah. do you have a question i do uh, you mentioned um when you work with people so uh tell us a little bit about that if somebody's listening and they want to work with you how do they do that um you can go to actually my email is barry littleton 13 at gmail.com got it straightened out so i can actually see the people emailing me now <laughs> but you can email me and i do a, i have been convinced i started experimenting and make sure i could do remote hypnosis through Zoom or virtual. And I wanted to make sure it was absolutely as effective as when I do it in person. I found it is. So you can contact me that and I can set up something remote with you. I do readings and also um, earthbound spirit removal. So not demonic removal, but earthbound spirit. So you can contact me that way. I have a website, barrylittleson.com. It basically sucks. It needs to be evolved a little bit more. (laughs) You know, I'm not much of a web guy, but Mm -hmm. you can, most of my links to my social media is on there though. And you said you had a Patreon that I'm sure Cheyenne will be linking to as well. Yeah, I have all your info. I'll be happy to link at the bottom and on the website. So readings, so is the readings tied into the hypnosis? Like how would... Why would I call you to get hypnotized? Would it be for past life? You can do a past life regression, trauma removal, or earthbound spirit removal. As to where a reading will be more, it could be, I mean, I may go into mediumship with that and that may cross cross that, but it's not the same as hypnosis. And sometimes I keep those a little separate because I found when doing a reading with all the information that comes through and then try to do hypnosis right at it kind of leaves the client kind of sporadic you know absolutely Mm -hmm. that's good that's why i wanted to tell the difference on those just so people like i'm gonna go get hypnotized and medium i'm like no (laughs) no you're not you're not that's a lot of energy darling because you know the the thing about (laughs) hypnosis is this you know TV just ruins it. Yeah. And everybody has this feeling that it's somebody swinging a, a clock right there with their eyebrow up. You're under my power. And they yeah. get them to acting stupid and doing crazy stuff. Stage hypnosis. <laughs> but the truth is, somebody like me is not super easy to hypnotize because it's relaxation. I don't know how to relax. I'm all stressed out. So <laughs> it's the people that, you know, learn it's not you battling the hypnotist. It's about learning how to relax. You know, and you got a good hypnotism. They, they simply are guiding you. And once you're out, you may be almost a flopper falling off the chair, but your <laughs> consciousness is like heightened awareness, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> flopper. Yeah. Well, it's I'd- funny that you bring that up because we went ahead and pulled apart um, hypnotist, hypnotism, like where it came from. And um, 
Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. Hans Mesmer. Is mm-hmm. that right? Mm-hmm. Um, so we went all the way back there and then we pulled apart the stage versus NLP and all of the other kinds, just so you would understand from a healing modality, like this is actually what you're searching for. If you want to go and do hypnotism, if you want to go to like a stage act where somebody, you know, tells you to put your shoes over your head and all that mm-hmm. fun stuff, that's a great way. So I'm glad you brought that up because I am going to plug our own podcast. Season one, episode seven, I believe. Is episode seven you, you know the thing is and i i i enjoy no nope, it's sorry it, it, it's episode four it's four. season one episode four hypnosis and friendly brainwaves mm. huh, so we cool. talked we you know personalize our brainwaves so people could be friends with their brainwaves and then they would learn to work with themselves better in mm. order to open themselves up we dabble on qhht um behind quant beyond quantum healing techniques as well um and you just highlighted a lot of stuff that we actually did already talk about but it's from an educational standpoint to if this is a modality that you want you should educate yourself to get the most out of the experience for yourself. You know, my problem is that I don't like party hypnosis. I don't like stage hypnosis because there's no party. And what hypnosis is good for is relieving inner trauma and, you know, and actually reframing it. When I say that, it's like a thorn in the flesh, you know, as long as that thorn is in you, it's irritating the flesh. It's causing inflammation, all these other things, infection. Once you remove it, the healing starts immediately. You may have the thorn on the table after you heal. You're like, well, that thing was painful, but you can examine it and it's still not causing the inflammation. It's different. Trauma is quite the same way. And like even somebody smoking cigarettes, why do they smoke? That's not a party trick. It's a trauma. You know what I mean? So that way, and I deal with instant and rapid inductions, which are really quick. For me, taking two minutes to put somebody under is ridiculous, but it does work. And they say, that's not good for therapy. Says who? A rapid induction, you can take someone deep enough to still help them with the trauma. It's just as long as it's not the party or um, stage hypnosis type yep. of deal. Not that that doesn't work, but I just don't find it. I mean, it's just not yeah. your thing, no, which, no, which is no. fine. But mine, I mean, mine was for lost memories and uh-huh. knowing that even though I didn't remember something super traumatic happened to me in that time, and I knew that it was imprinted somewhere in my body. Mm-hmm. So, like, finding the theta brainwave state is, like, perfect for that person who literally, like, wakes up every day and, like, every day is brand new for them. They're like, oh, I don't know why I can't remember. And I'm like, I... I love remembering stuff because it really has helped me get through the lessons that I understand. So for someone who, you know, has been teetering on the idea of doing hypnosis for memory recovery, I mean, I highly recommend it because that's why I went to QHHT in the beginning was memory recovery. Although I ended up finding a story about soul origin while I was there. The great thing is, is you can go with like 10 questions and be like, this is what I want to do, but your higher self and your team is going to take you to where you actually need to go at the time. Maybe you'll get that later, but right now we, we wanted you to see the origin and not necessarily just like your last life. And the subconscious records everything and it's good to access it. You know, I've dealt with some clients that have had screen memories put in and there's literally entities in the room trying to stop us from getting to it. You got to get rid of them and then break through the screen memories. Well, it's funny because it was a session we had last week that I'm not going to talk about, but you're absolutely right. Mm-hmm. Um, and you got to need a decent hypnotist that knows how to get through those because otherwise they just give up or they just, when I have a client telling me, I'm picking up that it's this. You're picking it up from who? Do you believe that? Well, no, I don't. <laughs> let's keep going. You know? Yeah, let's keep going. <laughs> Stay on the path of the light. Yeah. 
Okay, well, Barry, uh, one amazing interview. Thank Two, um, I know you're going to have to come back. I don't know when, but I know you're going to have to come back. And like I said, <laughs> you have a client in me. We will be in contact. Um, I'm I'm all about that hypnotism light and then adding to my Cheyenne portfolio. Um, so at the end of every episode, I showcase music that is not only near and dear to my heart, but I also want to share with all my friends. And it just so happens that today's episode is called Earthling or Alien, just so we can dabble a little bit on where we all come from or even plant those seeds. But one of my favorite bands also named a song Earthling or Alien that did inspire, besides you, um, the like the whole season. I was like, I'm making the whole season just so I can talk about Goose. So Goose is... Um, as I've said it before, one of my favorite bands, I wish I'd have known them longer, but I've only been on to them for about a year now, about a year and a half probably. And um, I was lucky enough to catch the clip I'm about to play for all of you at the Truman in Kansas City with my concert wife, Kate, and uh, her husband, Kaylin. And um, I got to record a little snippet of Earthling or Alien. So they opened the show with it, which ultimately meant that, like, I believe that they knew I was going to be there, even though we don't know each other. But their souls knew that I was coming, and they're like, what what are we going to open this, the show with tonight, guys? And they're going to be like, we know we have to open with Earthling or Alien. We don't know why, but we do. So I felt um, very called to play this clip from the concert. It's about 30 seconds. I usually have longer clips, but I definitely just wanted to let everybody in on the goose magic. And um, what else was I going to say? Oh, if you want to check out this show, they have it on goosetheband.com. You can check it out on nugs.net if you have a friend lucky enough to pay for your nugs.net subscription like me. Um, or you can find them on YouTube. Uh, to me, they're probably like the... They're the Grateful Dead of my generation. Like, I will follow them around forever. But they also have a really um, good community around them. So I'm excited to share a little bit more about Goose. I'm excited to share um, Barry Littleton's information so you guys can go off and learn more from him and also his network of people. So stick with us. We'll have an info episode coming up next. And here is Earthlinger Alien. <laughs> by Goose <laughs> at the Truman. Oh, 